Dottie may want to chime in on some of those too because she probably isn't keeping up with the same stuff. I haven't had a chance to talk to Dottie lately, but um, but Bangor Daily News, just get off it, get off it. I close it. They are metering their their stories now. They have decided they're going to put up a paywall, and they'll only let you have so many free ones. So um, <laughs> it makes it a little difficult to want to recommend the Bangor Daily News anymore because maybe you're not going to be able to read as much of it as you want to without having to pay for it. So it's like ridiculous. I don't plan to uh, be promoting it as much as I used to because I find this ridiculous. If you're trying to uh, get information out and you want to be able to read information, I think you should be able to read the newspaper without paying for reading it. That's what the ads are supposed to be for. And if all it's going to be is a blog, hey, I can do blogs elsewhere. I don't have to do it here. So that's just my little sideline on that. Okay, this is about our Secretary of State. He's had some interesting background, different types of things that he's done, which raised uh, red flags with me that he's not um, a neutral person that should be just doing the Secretary of State's job, which is basically a large-scale clerical-type job. It's not meant to be political. It's just you run this type of, you know, you run this thing, you keep track of these records, and you make sure certain things happen, like people's driver's licenses are done, and, you know, that elections are good and that kind of thing. And he has put himself into a partisan role for such a long time that he's really drawn a lot of attention to himself and um he was on the he was on the commission um to look into the elections trump had appointed him to that and then he complained that he wasn't wasn't being informed of what was going on and then the commission was dissolved and so he's you know he's doing other things to help his friends that are from the democratic party including our attorney general in maine and it's quite, to me, it's quite an interesting uh, little dance that they do to make it look like they're just doing their jobs and it's perfectly okay for them to be doing partisan activities while they're doing their jobs. I don't find it okay. I think it's really quite, um, well, I don't want to really say disgusting, but it's darn close to it to me. I find this not um, honorable. I guess that would be the word. I don't have respect for this kind of thing. So anyway, here's what they have in the paper today. This is on the, the Bangor Daily News, the, the website. And there was, um, there was another one as well. There was another story as well that um, was put up here about a day or two ago. And now it seems to be buried, and this one is prominent. <clears throat> It says, uh, this is by Christopher Cousins, and it was posted this afternoon um, around just before 2 o'clock. Secretary of State Matt Dunlap told lawmakers Thursday that ranked choice voting likely can't be implemented in time for the June primary election, causing supporters of the voting method to threaten legal action to ensure it is in place. Now, what's happened is we have some people who put out petitions, they wanted ranked choice voting put in in the state of Maine. Um, it was ruled, the opinion was, I should say, by the Supreme Court was that it was unconstitutional. I believe it was the Maine Supreme Court. And then 
a lot of the Democrats came out and said, well, that's just for these these types of elections, but we can use it for other ones, and we're going to have it because the people have already spoken and they want it. Um, our Secretary of State allowed those, those petitions to go out to put it on a ballot. It shouldn't have gone on a ballot since it wasn't constitutional. It says in our state that our elections are decided by plurality and not by majority, which is what they want. They want to be able, if you're not aware of what ranked choice is, it means that you give your priority listing of who you would like in a certain office, and then it, the decision is made once one of the candidates reaches a majority. So it would be um, over 50%, obviously. Very hard to do in Maine, as I've said before. We have uh, almost a 50-50 split in Maine as to conservatives and liberals. So it makes it interesting whenever some something like this happens, okay? Well, the the article that was in the paper a couple of days ago sounded like it was going to be happening and he was going to push for it. He was going to make sure that it happened. He had a few things he had to do and he had to really rush. And I think he also did a little bit of uh, maneuvering back a few months, but now they're saying it can't happen. Likely it can't happen. So something has happened in the meantime, and I'm going to try to figure out what it is. I don't know. Maybe Maybe Dottie does. Um, the revelation comes as a bombshell with Dunlap's department attempting to rush through new rules about how the system approved by voters in 2016 would work. Those proposed rules were submitted Wednesday but could now be moot if the plug is pulled. And then um, there's a link to an article that says Maine backs ranked choice voting proposal but legal hurdles remain. So it's probably another article. At issue was a people's veto petition that was conducted after the legislature passed a law last year delaying implementation of ranked cho choice voting until the main constitution is amended to accommodate it. Technically, the people's veto blocks an amendment made to the 2017 law and apparently reverts to prior statutes that stipulate primaries be determined by plurality which means whoever garners the most votes, not a majority, as called for in ranked choice voting. Dunlap said ranked choice voting can't occur in June without fixing wording conflicts that an analyst flagged on Wednesday and that either the legislature or Maine's court system must act swiftly if he is to have time to implement the system and prepare for the June 12th election. Originally, he said the correction must be made by Monday, but later Thursday, he said the fix must be in place within a few weeks. Maine must have ballots available to overseas voters by April 27th, according to Julie Flynn, Deputy Secretary of State in charge of elections. On Thursday, she told the legislature's Veterans and Legal Affairs Committee, which oversees elections, that staff would need time before that date to design the ballots. We have to get ballots printed. That's the bottom line, Dunlap said. Maine Attorney General Janet Mills, who said she was notified of the issue by Dunlap's office on Thursday, called for the legislature to immediately fix the problem. The will of the people must not be thwarted by some technicality in the law, said Mills, who said she would file the necessary legislation Thursday. Now, mind you, Janet Mills is very partisan towards Democrats. She's also running for governor. <laughs> she is, like, always thinking about the fact that she wants the governorship. So the whole thing is very interesting to watch, let's put it that way. The prospects of such a bill passing are slim, with most Republicans and Governor Paul LePage staunchly against ranked choice voting. 
That means the measure would need two-thirds support in both the House and Senate to be implemented as an emergency, oh, implemented as an emergency, and to override a veto. Dick Woodbury, chairman of the Committee for Ranked Choice Voting, said his organization will seek a court-ordered injunction in an attempt to force Dunlap to implement the system in time for the June 12th primary. The group previously joined eight gubernatorial candidates in a February court action designed to compel Dunlap to implement ranked choice voting for the June 12th primary. All Maine people should be stunned by this latest affront to democracy and to the rule of law, Woodbury said in a news release. Now, it isn't a democracy. It's a republic. We have to keep telling people this. It's a representative republic. It's not a democracy. Majority does not rule. Mob does not rule here. But they keep using it. It's an affront to our democracy. They love that word. Anyway, a citizen-initiated petition led to a 2016 referendum in which Maine voters approved use of the system, but the legislature enacted a law in 2017 that called for an amendment to the Maine Constitution before the system could be used. Under that law, if that didn't happen by December 2021, the ranked choice voting system would be nullified. However, supporters of ranked choice voting launched a people's veto petition of the legislature's law, which was certified as valid by Dunlap in March. That petition forces a question on the June ballot asking whether voters want to cancel the legislature's law and put ranked choice voting in place for the long term. Supporters also argue that the presence of the people's veto on the June 12th ballot forces Maine to revert to the previous law, mandating ranked choice voting for congressional and primary elections, which are not specifically addressed in Maine constitutional language, requiring that the person who receives a plurality of votes be declared the winner in gubernatorial and legislative elections. The legislature was in session Thursday, but is not scheduled to return until Monday. LePage has 10 days to act on any bill sent to him. So even if lawmakers pass an emergency measure to fix the problem Dunlap identified, the governor could hold the bill until close to or past the deadline the Secretary of State set for ballot preparation. And then it has some other ways you can get in um, to you know, comment or whatever or read other things. So the thing is, we have this we have this supposed problem, which is unconstitutional because our constitution says a plurality, not a majority. That's one thing. The other thing is, is that our elections are supposed to be overseen by local officials. And in order to do this scheme that they want, and I call it a scheme, there would have to be a, a centralized location for ballot counting in order to make sure that you could go through the various uh, rounds to see who has more than um, half of the votes. So you'd have to have like the first, the first round would be to see if anybody achieved the 51%. The next round would be to add in people's second choices until you got somebody to the 51%. So it would take like computer programs, it would take centralization, all of these things are also not really legal in Maine because our voting and our counting is supposed to be handled by the local elected officials that are put in place for that reason. It's so you don't have somebody in one place able to manipulate. So we'll see how this goes. I find it pretty interesting though that a couple of days ago it was all, I call it false bravado. It's like, yeah, we're going to just do this because we can because that's how they act. 
that's exactly how our Secretary of State and our Attorney General act in this state, that they're in charge and they have all this power. So I, I'm very, <laughs> I find this hopeful because to me it's like a fly in their ointment. And anything that slows these people down makes me feel good. So I'm happy about it. Um, I'll give you a link to this if you're interested in keeping up with this at all. Um, and I know that they say that it's used in some other places as well. It's probably We could probably guess where those pla- those places are. Probably California somewhere and, uh, you know, some of the cities. But it's not something that... that uh, we really need in Maine not only not only the centralization aspect, but the fact that it would cost a lot of money to put these systems in place that could do it. And they're like, oh, there's no problem and everything. It's probably somebody's friend that runs the uh, equipment to do that kind of work, and that's why they want to have some, uh, you know, they want to have some of that money from the treasury. Hand us over some money, and we'll take care of it all for you guys. We'll take care of everything. You'll be so happy at how it turns out. And really what it boils down, what what's really happening, what it boils down to is the fact that they were really unhappy that Governor Paul LePage became the governor and it, he was elected to the second term with a higher percentage. But no one in Maine ever really reaches more than 50%, you know, definitively anyway. It's unusual. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So that was one of them. Okay, let's see. I have to go and see if anything big is happening in here. Okay. Okay, cool. I saw your note, Desert Pete. Val saying Trump done a secret peace deal with Kim. Um, yeah, I've heard that it's some kind of secret thing. We knew that there was a big turnaround of some kind because he, you know, one day he's threatening to, you know, blow up the United States and everybody in it and that kind of thing. And then and then a couple of days later it seemed like he's like, oh, let's just talk about things. Huh? Yeah, he probably got the uh, ultimatum and he decided he was going to um, take the deal that he couldn't refuse. That's probably what's going on. Um Um, yep, so people in the chat are saying that they're noticing that there are some changes, too, in how things are operating in the background. I I feel hopeful about the future. It's been a little while, but, you know, I do feel hopeful. Sorry if I'm clicking my pen too much. I'm very high energy, as you can notice. We're starting to now have temperatures up into just starting to get into the 50s a little bit. We we had the 30s last week. It's still chilly and snow and all kinds of stuff, and it was edging up into the 40s this week. So we're having our snow banks just go right down. That it's melting. Everything is getting warmer, and there was sunshine, and so people are getting all their springtime energy because it's time for us to start coming out of our hibernation and getting out doing things. So we've been running around, and. Um, so I'm sort of tired, but I'm sort of energized at the same time, and it makes me a little zony and strange. I swear to God, I don't drink. So once in a while, but I haven't today. Once in a while, I will drink a beer. Okay, so let's see. What else have we got going on? We've got, okay, I've got the ranked choice voting I just talked about. Um, 
Susan Rice, apparently she's going to go and be on the board of Netflix. Netflix also has been talking with the Obamas about producing content for their network uh, or whatever it is, their site. I don't do Netflix, but I do have an idea of what it is. Um, and, you know, the Obamas, they're out and they're doing just as much as they can to undermine our country and our president right now. And I really truly believe that that is their main aim in life that they don't um they don't really hide it um and i just find that pretty disgusting too you know you can disagree with things going on but if we're all americans we should be wanting success of the country and success of our administration in the world and these people are out undermining every single day all day long they find anybody they can find to listen to them and they try to take down somebody who was duly elected and is an American, you know, unlike the previous administration. And I'm sorry if no one wants to hear about it anymore, but the man was not born in the United States, and that's just the way it is. If, um, you know, if somebody wants to say, oh, yes, he was, he was born in Hawaii, then fine, let's see his real birth certificate, because we haven't seen it. It was proven that that was a forgery that was on the White House website. It was proven by people who do that for a living for banks. It was a forgery. So let that sink in. People can complain all they want and say that somebody's racist because they complain, you know, and say that Obama shouldn't have been in office in the first place. But it's it's a fact. Sorry. Let's see who he is. People don't seal their records and hide who they are unless they've got something to hide. There would be no reason otherwise, especially when they're talking about how transparent and no scandals that they had. Sure, yeah, when you uh, make sure no one ever talks, you don't have scandals. It's amazing. Yeah, all of a sudden they're just missing or just dead or something. Then you don't have anybody talking about it. You don't have to worry about covering up your uh, lies. Great, huh? Just great. Okay, so James Skin just put um, a Q reference in the um, chat. And I did see that earlier today. I don't know what it means because I didn't see the original um, the original text or whatever or the MSM, which I take to mean mainstream media, talking about red versus blue pills. I didn't see anything about that. I mean, I hear people talk about the matrix and about and the red and blue pill all the time, but um, it's just to me it's a common thing, but maybe it's just the people I talk to. Okay, my phone's thing. Somebody's trying to call me as usual. Constant. I won't rant about that right now, but I could because my phone rings all the time and it's nobody. It's just spoofed numbers. It's people pretending to be in this area code when they're not. So I sit and usually just block phone, <laughs> block phone messages. I block the uh, numbers all day long when I hear them. I like take it, block it, yes. And it keeps it quiet for maybe a half a day before it starts ringing again. People need to leave us alone. Leave us alone. Stop doing it. Okay, let's see what else. Um, Charlotte Iserby. Last week we stopped early so we could go listen to her and she wasn't on rents that night. And Dottie sent a correction and told us when she would be on. And I was all excited. I'm like, oh, good, I'm going to sit there. I'm going to listen to her. Forgot all about it. I remembered it like an hour and a half before and then forgot to go listen to it. So 
I guess, did it happen? Did anyone listen to it? And should I go and listen to it when I get a chance? Um, I'm not sure if I can get the podcast after the fact or if I have to listen to them live, but if anybody could tell me that, that would be good. Otherwise, I'll just try to go find it. But I didn't hear it after all that. And I did remember, which is, like, amazing, that I would even remember that. Um, Let's see what else. Oh, I forgot to mention when I was talking about the Bangor Daily News, they're killing off their readership by putting up a paywall and metered articles, meaning that you can have a few and then they'll tell you you can't unless you get a subscription. But the other thing they're doing is they're getting worse about silencing conservative voices. They're knocking people off, um, sending their comments to moderation, and just leaving the, what I would say, the usual suspects, you know, leaving them in there um, to talk about how horrible Trump is, how terrible LePage is, our governor, um, and just, you know, sounding like they're the majority because they're the only ones being heard in there. And they've, they've had hardly any traffic in the comments as far as um, numbers of people commenting, it's the same people just talking back and forth, and they're not getting likes, and they're not, you know, so I know there's no one around, because in the old days, you'd see likes, you know, sometimes 20 or 25 likes on something, and now you're lucky if you see six, and it's usually the same people that are right there. So a lot of the old regulars that were there, some of the people that were very knowledgeable and could contribute to an argument on any issue, they're gone. So I don't think it's going to be a long time before the Bangor Daily News is going to end up folding. Right now we have like a consolidation of our media in Maine that's taking place again. Somebody else is buying another newspaper or a set of newspapers to add to their empire. And we have very few people in Maine now who are getting their political opinions published. And it's because we have a consolidation of media that shouldn't be happening, in my opinion. It should be widespread ownership, not a few. And, you know, as people start leaving and making up their own, and we see some new media here and there, I think things are going to be even better as far as um, getting messages out because people will just get frustrated and say, I'm not going there anymore. I'm going to start my own thing. Um, Our libertarian group in Maine is starting a, a new... Um, program and what is the next of it? What is the name of it? It's No Something instead of N O. It's K N O W. I'll try to get that and let you get, let you know what it is, and you can maybe take a listen and see if it's something you're interested in. Um, trying to think how you could find our main libertarian guy. He ran for governor, and then he decided he was going to do something different. So he stopped, and now he's just out, you know, trying to educate and advocate and, you know, teach, basically, teach what libertarianism is. And um, there's some other people who have started their own media. Larry Lockman, who is one of the legislators that lives in Amherst, which is just a small little town on Route 9 going towards Canada. It's the main way to go to Canada, going east. Um, he's out there in the, <laughs> the boonies. I mean, it's almost prehistoric out there on that road. It's so beautiful, but it's very remote as far as for most people. They don't even know where Amherst is. But that's where he lives, and he's doing, um, he's doing a 
Facebook site, um, I think a website, and I'm not sure, but I almost think he does some video as well. Um, and that's what people are doing. They're just devising their own media, which is great. Because before, it used to seem like you know we were the Lone Rangers. There were just a few of us doing anything, and now there's a whole bunch of different people doing things. So I'm, I'm feeling good about that, too. Um, I'm going to write on here to find that that website or podcast or whatever it is that this guy's doing. If I can remember to do it. I always say I'm going to go look up something and then something else happens and I forget. Um, there's a space station, Chinese space station that's falling to Earth. It's supposed to be coming into the atmosphere and landing somewhere on Earth. I believe they said the latest projection is for April 1st. Um, and I saved that link somewhere. Let me see if I have it in my list of links. Because I wanted to make sure that I was looking at it too. If I got a chance, you know, I want to watch it so I don't um, add it. What did I do with it? Check it on my Facebook. Someday maybe we can all get on Facebook together and talk to each other if they don't, if or something like it. I was going to say Facebook's actually failing right now, so it's not like everybody wants to get on there now if they're not on it already. What a ridiculous mess. I never thought I had privacy, so it hasn't really alarmed me very much. In fact, I kind of laugh at some of the things people say, like, you know, we tried to tell you this. A long time ago that people were listening, they were watching, they were taking down all your information and using it against you or for whatever reason they wanted to do, sell it. And people would just laugh, oh, yeah, you always worry about everything. <laughs> now they're not laughing, but, you know, I knew they were doing it, so it's like, did I agree to it by participating? Do I know that I shouldn't say yes, I agree to the terms without actually reading the terms? I know I don't read the terms anymore because I don't see that it makes any darn bit of difference. It doesn't change anything. And it is hard to read that stuff because it's written in legalese. It's not written so that the average person would even know what they're talking about. So, All right, this is the website that I looked at to see where the uh, satellite might, this, um, not satellite, but this uh, space station might land. So if you bookmark that, you'll be able to take a look and see where it is right now and what the path is, the flight path on it is. And maybe if it's going to be near you, you can take cover that day. I don't know what you would do. I don't know how much destruction it will cause if it lands on somebody's town. But it's pretty interesting to uh, look at anyway, just to watch. You know, and I assume that it marks where your location is, but I don't know that for sure either. Right, a lot of funny things going around in terms of memes regarding the um, march for our lives or whatever they call it, the thing where they took advantage of all these kids and bust them into the cities and flew them in on 
corporate jets and this kind of thing and paid their way and then called it a grassroots child protest, which obviously it was, and it was being um, paid for and promoted by certain big money interests who have an agenda. And um, there was a, a really good analysis done that I watched, I think, yesterday or the day before, and it was um, Glenn Beck. Now, what did I do with that one? Glenn Beck is somebody I used to listen to a long time ago. The time of day that he was on was a time that I found that I could listen to him. But he started to get really strange and off off in the weeds somewhere as far as I was concerned. And it, I became concerned about who he was and what he was trying to, you know, put over on people. And uh, he did a lot of dot connecting and... Told who was behind the march, and I'm trying to see if there's a way to get this on YouTube or something that you could actually watch. It was on the blaze. People were passing it around on Facebook. Who was be, who was really behind the march? It was called. There are ten anonymous donors that the March for Our Lives is hiding, and it showed, he put it all on a blackboard. He talked about the ways they were connected. Uh, Planned Parenthood, um, let's see, Every Town, March for Our Lives, FCNL, what else is on here? Uh, Gabby Giffords, whatever her foundation's called, MoveOn.org, and of course, the Soros money, the DNC, some Hollywood people, but Soros obviously kept showing up too, and I don't know how to get this link that you can use. Maybe it's on YouTube by now. But anyway, I gave you the name of it, um, and otherwise The Blaze, which is Glenn Beck's site, I think he makes you subscribe too, so I don't even know if you can get it over there. But it was very interesting, the dots that he connected, and also um, even people that know what's going on, I think they would learn something from watching this. It's about five minutes long, so it's not terribly long. Um, let me go in here and say this is a Glenn Beck. on March for Our Lives and who funded it there. Um, there was another one I saw. Some of these things we share on Facebook, so it's kind of hard to find a way to get them, and I should have gone and found them on another platform so that you could see them easier. I'll see if I can. I share these with people sometimes in private messages so that so that um, it's not so obvious to the people that might be casually reading my page. This one is a YouTube one. This was called, um, this was by Joe DeGeneva, and it was done a while ago, I think, he was supposedly going to join the Trump legal team and then didn't. <clears throat> and he he um, did a very good job on this particular. This is a YouTube video, so I can give you this. 
The Daily Caller interviews Joe DeGeneva, a former federal prosecutor connecting the dots on former Obama administration Justice Department and FBI officials who may have violated the law, perhaps committed crimes, to politicize law enforcement and surveillance against political opponents. Um, this, the people that were commenting in this thought it was a good job, too. Um, he he was talking about how uh, how they uh, worked so hard to exonerate Hillary Clinton, basically. That was the point of it, a brazen plot to exonerate Clinton starting to seep out. Um, and this was, um, it says published January 21st, 2018. I'm not sure where the inter- when the interview actually took place, but this was before anybody even knew his name, really. Um, I heard his name for the first time like a week and a half ago, I think, and that's why when I saw this show up somewhere in a list, I went, oh, DeGeneva. I don't know anything about him. I think I'll go listen to something. And this was the one I happened to listen to. So this was really a good one, I think. I'll give you this link. Um, That's the one on DeGeneva. Geneva, D Geneva. Trying to type fast while sitting sideways, which isn't very easy. Okay, to Geneva, and it was um, exonerating. Now, brazen plot to exonerate Clinton. Yeah, that was. He was talking about how they'd actually planned all that, how they'd actually done it. So it was that was a really good one too. That was 31 minutes long, so you know you can just turn it on and do something else and listen to it. Be interesting. Taking um, notes to myself here. I covered that one. That one. Okay. Um, one of the things that I've been doing this week, and I always say James Kim would be proud because he knows that I struggled for a long time about getting stuff out of my house and cleaning my house. Well, we're still going on that. And uh, one of the things I did this past week was I took a big bookshelf that had been in a hallway, which was you know, kind of constricting the hallway and, and uh, feeling kind of oppressive. I moved it and have been sorting books, and I'm finding some really good books, so... <laughs> If anyone's interested in any particular thing and they want to know if I have any books about it, please, by all means, ask me because I have books that I don't even realize that I have. And I've been sorting them and putting them into sections so that I can um, find them. And it's like shopping. It really is. I don't know when I've bought some of these. I could have bought them at yard sales because I was interested. I might have bought them at Goodwill and just kept piling them up because I didn't have time to read them and I was, you know, running around doing other things. But I'm finding all kinds of cool stuff. I have things on politics. I have things about Maine. Um, I have things about self-help and, you know, how to be successful in various areas. I have things that are children's books, um, reference books. I'm trying to think what else. I have a few. I have two shelves full of cookbooks, but they're not in the ones I've been sorting through. They are in my kitchen. I have them, and I don't look at them. I look at them when I clean through them, and that's about it. Because I, 
already cook the things I cook. So I just read them for fun. So, you know, I just have a lot of books, and I like them, but it's time to start, you know, making sure they're being read and not just sitting somewhere. So there's stacks of books. You would laugh if you saw my house. Dottie's seen my house. It's piled. So, um, you know, it'll be nice to have some air that can flow through here when the spring actually arrives and we can open windows and stuff. It's going to be wonderful because I might actually be able to live in some of the rooms of my house that are blocked off from junk sitting there. <laughs> and um, we're also selling some stuff, too, on YouTube. I'm not YouTube, eBay. So we've had a few things that we've been able to sell that way. <clears throat> Buy food. Instead of having something sitting on a shelf, you can actually let somebody else enjoy it, and you can buy food. It's great. So let's see what else. Did I have anything else? I don't want to blab too long and put everybody to sleep. Okay, so um, just heard somebody with the uh, keep going, bud. Ambulance just went by. They were slowing down. I don't like that when they slow down because then I think it's my neighbors having trouble. Um, Q, James can mention Q earlier. Um, I hear Q mentioned here, there, and everywhere. Some people think that Q is just a fake thing and it's a psyop of some type. Um, I, I believe in psyops. I believe that people produce these psyops to keep the public duped or to keep people's attention where they want it. But I do not believe that Q is fake or is somebody playing a game, as they call role-playing, real-life role-playing or whatever they call that. I don't believe that. And the reason is is because the messages are encrypted, in my opinion, to make people who are knowledgeable in an area um, realize that they need to pay attention to certain things without actually stating it. Now, this is my feeling about it. I may not be right, but this is what I believe at this moment, is that, um, and I've probably said this before too, is that when you work in areas of the government or in um, contracting that with the government and you're under a secret intelligence um, classification or whatever, or if you are just required by your job to keep things confidential and you're not allowed to talk about it, um, it would be a way of letting things out without talking about it. It would be a way of telling people without telling them. It would be a way to get around it. That's my opinion on that. Because you could always say, well, I didn't tell them. In a way, it's like saying, okay, here's the here's the math problem, and you've got most of it, and I'll just give you this little tiny piece, which isn't really anything. And if you are knowledgeable, you'll know what it means. And um, that's how I feel it is. I don't believe it's an attempt to just tell a, you know tell a secret or to um, maybe even put people's minds at ease. I don't think it's that. I think it's to say, here's where you should look. Here's here's where the breadcrumb is. Follow this. And it could be to, you know, attract people's attention and take them off task. But for the most part, I have seen that it's worked just the opposite. So 
I guess we'll only know that we've been double-crossed at the point where it happens. So right now I'm going to have hope that uh, that's not what's going on and that things are still going in a good direction because everything I see is going in a good direction, including the 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 uh, latest news or the latest story where everybody wants to um, you know hop on and start pounding on the president for something he did. Um, a lot of times in a, a day or two, if somebody waits and doesn't just jump on the bandwagon and start you know attacking, um, they will see that it was a a good twist. It was something that wasn't seen by I say the C students. The A students are winning because the C students don't understand. They don't get it. Um, and they just keep they keep saying, well, he's stupid. He's, he's got something wrong with him. He's like sick. You know, he's, he's uh, mentally ill. And it's just that they can't see what the gamesmanship is. Most of them. Some can. Some know what they're doing. They just talk about it. They don't do anything. They just talk. So... Hopefully you followed that. I know it was a little weird. That's my uh, train of thought sometimes. Just goes in every direction. Okay, I see another article in here was I already told you about, which was about the rank choice. Um, there was supposedly a, a lawsuit in England about the... Um, or maybe it was in the United States and it just was reported in England. But it was about Facebook users suing because of the collection of their um, call text history. Let's see what this is. If it's actually in the United States, the lawsuit. We have to go out. We have to go outside our own country right now to find out what's going on sometimes because they don't cover it here. Three users of the Facebook Messenger app sued Facebook on Tuesday saying the social network violated their privacy by collecting logs of their phone calls and text messages in the latest legal challenge facing the company. Yep, this was filed in, in uh, the United States. Northern District of California seeks, let's see, the U.S. lawsuit filed in federal court in the Northern District of California seeks status as a class action on behalf of all affected users and ask for unspecified damages. So, yeah, happens in California, but it's reported in Great Britain. We wouldn't know anything that was going on if we were waiting for our local newspaper to uh, report it. Get rid of that one. <clears throat> All right, so that's that one. What else? Nice music that I saved. Uh, something that was on Rumor Mill News, it was science explaining what will happen if you wrap your aches and pains with aluminum foil, and I started laughing. The reason I kept this is because it mentioned Wilhelm Reich and about the uh, energy that is all around us all the time, and I thought that was kind of interesting. So I read through this, and I said, well, I'll save it for them because uh, a lot of us like the health issues, and we like to know what's going on in alternative treatments, et cetera, and this is a pretty far out one, but hey, you never know. I remember somebody wrapping up their arm with aluminum foil before when they had uh, shingles, 
this was a long time ago. I was like a little kid when I saw that. I was like, why is your arm wrapped up in aluminum foil? And they said they had shingles on their arm. <laughs> so there's that. Um, all right, I was just seeing what they are talking about because I wanted to know if it was anything I need to know. Okay, I talked about my... I've talked about a lot of stuff already tonight. Man, jamming it all in, right? Um, shoot. Yep. That was it on these. I didn't keep a lot of links this week. Some of them were music because I've gotten into music again. I turn it on to get energy. So I play a lot of music sometimes just to dance around and, you know, remember the old days and all that stuff. So I had some really good ones that I came across or someone shared with me this week. We had something bad discovered in Bangor today. There were two people found dead in a in a truck downtown underneath the bridge near a small shopping plaza and it was the truck was burned and tonight they said it was later on this afternoon I should say they said it was a homicide. They weren't sure earlier today whether it was or not. But you know, Bangor is not as safe as it used to be, but people are trying to argue that it is. Um we have an awful lot of strange old people around and they're not um they're not people you generally would see on the streets all the time. I think it's related to the drug trade, but we'll find out later. It's just kind of shocking. You know, we were just down there right in that same area within 100 feet of where this was found. We were there yesterday because it's right near where the Restore is, which is the Habitat for Humanity fundraiser store where they sell, you know, they sell things to build homes for people and they sell leftover building materials and things like that. So we usually go in there and see if there's anything we can use. We were right there yesterday afternoon, and last night sometime these people were apparently killed and the truck burned. Some of the um, businesses down there park their trucks there too, so it's not really clear whether it was a company truck or whether it was somebody who was just in the area and happened to drive down in there where they wouldn't be seen. So got people on edge a little bit. Um, I'll look through my notes real quick. Desert Pete, if you're going to call in tonight, it'll be a good time. I'm going to see if I can remember what else I talked about or learned about since last week when we were here. Oh, Jason Goodman, does anybody know anything about him? He's the one that's interviewed field lately a couple of times at least and um, I hadn't heard of him before so I started looking into his background trying to figure out if I could you know figure out if he's a good guy or not let's put it that way vetting vetting people that show up that you haven't heard of before and the only Goodmans I've ever heard of other than him are like Amy Goodman from PBS and um I was trying to find who else might be in the family who they're related to and that kind of thing. 
and what their connections are. Um, there's also another video that was going around, um, the American SES Exposed. The E was sort of made small, so it looked like SS Exposed. And it was that was a really good video, too. Um, and it was just talking about how people go from the bo they go from government service to the boards, and then they you know they go around to these different jobs, which we most of us know that already. That's what the senior executive service does. They put the same people in different areas wherever they're needed. It's like it is like the shadow government. So that was a really good video too, and I don't know where the link is, so I can't share that with you right now. Um, Looking to see if I had anything else that was highlighted. I'm also looking for some places where people can sell their writing. So if anybody knows of any of those places, would you please let me know? My email is gingercookie87, no spaces, gingercookie87 at yahoo.com. And if I find any, I'll let you know because I think we have people that could do some really nice, you know stories or blogs or whatever could do some really nice work writing, and maybe we could find a way to make some money off writing. So we'll see. Anyway, I'm going to go get Desert Pete, see what the big story is from the West Coast tonight, if there's anything interesting going on. Or anything good. Anything good, anything interesting. How are you tonight, Desert Pete? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, good. We at 80 degrees today, and flowers are blowing ah. in the front yard in the back. So, oh, so things are looking up so at least good. in that a aspect. Although yes. I had a horribly aggravating high-stress day yesterday, and the 80-degree oh. weather in a car with no air conditioning was not very pleasant. No. Uh, real quick, you mentioned Jason Goodman. Uh, yeah. He appears to be riding on Fields' popularity coattail. That's what I thought, at, but at I wasn't the moment, sure. Uh, my jury is still out on him. I don't know. But uh, the uh, the fellow that Field has had nothing nice to say about, but I don't see him as a bad guy, is this Robert David Steele, the ex-CIA guy. And uh, Robert Steele has a lawsuit against Jason Goodman. Really? For a uh, malicious uh, attack on character and, and the whole defamation of character routine uh, backed up with uh, with Jason Goodman promoting absolutely false claims against uh, Steele. Uh, so I don't know how that's going to play out. But Jason Goodman also launched another personality attack against, uh, who is it, Marcolis, uh a fellow from North Carolina who kind of does some private research. He's tried doing some investigation in Las Vegas, uh, and when he got too close to the problem, uh, YouTube uh, kicked him off. Uh, he uh, contested it. Uh, YouTube re-reviewed all his stuff and let him back on. So he has his, uh, a YouTube channel under a new name now. Uh, hmm. I think his last name is Marcolis. My mind is blanking out on his first name, um, but uh, he's a fairly good guy in with, with good intentions. He doesn't seem to be as extensively researched as like the Able Danger crowd. But I mean, let's face it, we're we're a huge, unique bunch to the planet. Uh, 
but uh, but at least this Marcolis fella is is trying to do a good job of investigating things, and Jason Goodman has just launched a vicious attack against him. Well, uh, he started his this this Jason Goodman started his YouTube channel in 2016, which isn't that long ago. Right. And that's when everybody was really active as far as trying to make sure that uh, Donald Trump didn't get into office. Um, I, I just don't know. I mean, to me, like I say, I'm suspicious of people that show up late because it's a long time since September 11th, 2001. It's 17 years almost. And for people to show up now, it's like, where have they been? Have they been asleep somewhere in a closet? Because I don't get it. He's not that old either. He doesn't look that old to me. So I just wonder if he's being sent from somebody to um, infiltrate, sort of like Karen Hudis. Remember yeah. how everybody was all gung-ho over Karen Hudis, and I kept saying, uh-uh, no. And, and she was exactly what I said. She was a yeah. fake. And it was just all I did was I just started looking up everything I could find on her, watching every single video I could find. And here she is sitting there. She's supposedly in her office at the World Bank or whatever, or someplace she's like trying to look like she's in an office, and her backdrop fell down one day while she was talking to somebody. Yeah. And I started laughing because she it, it was so it was so obvious that she had put this whole fake background there, and she was just sitting in her room somewhere. Well... Since I worked with backdrops in Hollywood for, yeah. for 15 or 16 years, I, I take them for granted. So I, I don't even consider that as a as a sign of being fake. But uh, no, except for if you're telling somebody you're actually in an office when you're not. You know, she yeah. she was good at deceiving, and um, I just didn't I didn't like it. I was like something's wrong here, and I was really nervous when Field went and met her too because I thought you know this could go really bad. Yeah, if, if if anybody listening to this during uh, the late uh, 1980s, all through the mid-1990s, if you ever saw a breaking news story from Los Angeles and they shifted to the anchor desk of NBC News in Los Angeles and you saw a beautiful L.A. skyline behind them, <laughs> the studio was not on the top of a mountain. That was our Pacific Studios backdrop right behind yep. them. And I helped get that exact backdrop right into that studio. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, that what can is I say? so cool. See, Able Danger is everywhere. They uh, can't get away from Able Danger because it's everywhere. Ex- exactly. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, oh, I, I just uh, fact check myself. I got to back up. The guy's name was not Marcolis. It was uh, his full name. His full real name is Jake Morphonius. Morphonios, uh, and the new YouTube name he uses is Blackstone Intelligence, or Blackstone Intel, something like that. Uh, and again, he, he's a well-meaning fella. Uh, he's made a few mistakes, but none of them seem to be intentional. And he's just trying to make a living doing YouTube videos, and uh, Goodman just up and launched an attack against the guy. Now, uh, this other uh, YouTube interviewer I discovered only this last year that I've mentioned to you several times, Sarah uh, Westall, uh, she interviewed Jake, and she's got a lot of respect for him. So uh, 
anyway, Jake is not a bad guy. He's he's just like the rest of us. He's made a few judgment errors, but uh, but nothing intentional to mislead anybody. Uh, and I don't understand why uh, why Goodman is attacking anybody really. Uh, and I got to jump over to Robert David Steele at the moment. I still do not understand why Field has so much disrespect for the guy, other than he never mentioned senior executive services or Christine Marcy, or Serco. And I personally think it's only because he never had a direct contact with them to say anything intelligent. And let's face it, our, our parents always taught if you don't have something good to say, or I will amend that and say if you don't have something good or intelligent to say, it's best not to say anything. And maybe that's uh, Robert Steele's policy on Serco. Christine Marcy and senior executive services is maybe he just doesn't know enough to to make an intelligent comment. Yeah. Uh, but the other stuff he promotes, I tend to be completely uh, in, behind and and endorse. Uh, he he looks at a lot of international problems, and he attacks all of them. Uh, you know, guest eleven is bring up the Jews again, and uh, Robert Steele brings up uh, Zionistic uh, international politics problems. So uh, he hits a lot of hot-button topics, so I have a hard time criticizing him at uh, at this point. Uh, anyway, Some of the names have gone in one ear and out the other with me because I would have spent a lot of time with anybody that I heard often enough and then put them down and gone to somebody else because there's new every day there's something new yeah. and you know once we get up to a certain age as they say um, it's harder to retain all the stuff that you've learned before but I'm good at refreshing it that's the thing I write it down that's one of the reasons I write things is because I can go back and refresh later I had saved a, a comment about somebody in my links on my links page and forgot to write who it was because in the old days, I would have re- I would have remembered it easily who it was, but I can't remember who it was now. I don't know who I'm talking about, so I didn't mention it. But it was just a little blurb about this person, like look into these two things that relate to her. So it's a woman, but I don't know what it is. And then I have my notebook too, which I write things on when I'm listening to a show. Just write little blurbs, like I'm going to go look up this thing or that, because at the time it's in my mind and I'm listening to it. I think I'm going to be able to remember it because I always could. <laughs> and I go back and look at it and oh. go, I guess i got to watch that again. And then half the time you go back to watch it again and it's gone because they've removed it so no one will see it. So, you know, anything, I tell people if it's important and you know it's important, you need to sit down and watch it right then because if they remove it, they can't make you forget everything you saw. I don't really know how to download things from some of the places because you can't, can't do it as easily on YouTube as in the past. I think you have to use special programs to be able to get YouTube videos. Do you know about that? Do you save any from YouTube? Uh, I certainly don't archive any because I don't know how to download the software. Yeah, see, uh, they, you used to be able to just click on something and download those YouTube videos in the old days. You could yeah. see them. There was a button to do that. And now it's not there, so... Someone says that you can get like a program that will let you do it, but I don't trust programs now either. I don't trust getting new programs to save things because everything's reporting back to the mothership somewhere. 
is like, yeah. okay, they're downloading these things. What do they want to know now? And that's just against me completely as a librarian to have anybody tracking what I read and what I study on. It's none oh, of their business. Exactly. <laughs> Going back, I don't know, six, maybe eight years, there was an audio player called Real Player. Yep, and the I remember. Last, yeah, the last year or two that I used it, it offered the option of downloading videos. And lo and behold, yeah. that was great. So for a brief time... I was archiving a few uh, videos that caught my attention. I think and that's then, what I used to use in the library to save things when I first was using the Internet teaching kids. Yeah. I think I used that. And yeah. then they did a software upgrade, and as I read the disclaimer that came with the new upgrade, you're right. It was reporting everything back to their what Whatever. their own cloud, I think was the term they used. And I realized, good grief, they are monitoring every video I look at and making a list yeah. of them. Oh, yeah, everything we do is tracked, every yeah. single thing. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. I actually heard it mentioned on the local news last night, and I did a double take because, you know, the media is, like, so left-leaning that it's like they don't want to see or hear anything negative about anything that they want. So I was just kind of stunned because they were talking about how when they were using their, you know, computer or whatever or talking about a topic and then when they'd look on their computer they'd see something related to what they were just talking about and they said it's like they're listening to us. Yeah. And I thought, Yeah, they are. <laughs> they are listening to you. I yeah. believe they're listening to you. And when they hear you say something about, you know, I need to get some running shoes because I'm gonna start running again all of a sudden you've got running shoes advertising on your sites that you look at. And it could just be that it's a coincidence and everybody would say, you know, hey, you're reading too much into it. It's just that you've been looking for shoes or something. But when you know you haven't been, how else would they know? Yeah, um, so. uh, yeah. speaking of paranoia, I've been thinking of all the <laughs> microphones here in my bedroom. Yeah. And on my laptop, I am clever enough to know how to short out the microphone on the laptop just by plugging a dead connector into the mic jack will short out the the microphone that's built into the laptop. So that yeah. that's, that's the easy way there. Uh, I haven't really figured out how to short out the webcam on my workstation because that somehow or another combines the audio with the video through the USB connector, and I have no idea how to short that out without killing the camera that I might actually want to use. So uh, anyway, I've, I've still got some dilemmas here and there. And then, of course, my cell phone, whenever that's turned well, on. Well, right now, we're talking on a telephone line. Yeah. So if they don't even need to get warrants anymore, anybody can listen to that. Yeah, well, of course, this is a public show anyway, so I'm yeah. not so much I mean, it's about like that. I just don't even think that anybody has any privacy anywhere anymore, and I've told people that. I don't care if you walk out into the middle of a field with somebody to talk to them. They can still hear you because they have stuff now where they can hear you anywhere, even in the open, talking yeah. in a private conversation. Yeah, so. uh, it's not to the point of being supernatural yet, but you're right. There are a lot of ways to hear in a lot of areas that you don't expect. And People course, didn't even realize 
one of the things I found out about surveillance, because I was interested in this kind of stuff, this was early on, I'm going to say the 80s or 90s, when I found out that they could listen to people in a house by putting a dot on a window, yeah. by just a beam, like a laser or something, on a window, and it would vibrate enough that they could hear the voices inside the house. Yeah. And I was like, holy cow, that was a long time ago. That would be considered primitive now to do that. Yeah, well, I do know enough about the technical aspect of audio to know that anybody using that laser on your window routine, routine is not really hearing high-fidelity audio in your room. But no, but they hear your conversation. But all they need to do is hear your conversation or, or yeah. something else key, like like the clicking of, of a hammer on a gun or something, uh, yeah. that they might still be able to distinguish. And, yeah, they know enough to – they would still know enough to, to, to do – to do damage. And of course the other thing that I think it was an NBC reporter uh four or five years ago or maybe even longer did an intentional test. She carried her cell her cell phone in her purse and turned it off and had somebody who knew who knew how to hack her cell phone over in another part of the town hack into the phone and turn on her cell her cell phone microphone without it even being without the phone being turned on and she replayed a conversation she went to a restaurant and had a meeting with uh, with an attorney and just set her purse on the table uh with the phone turned off and the guy uh, the other side of town recorded the entire conversation and she played it back in her report so if that level of hacking is capable from that hacker, you know NSA's had it for years. Oh yeah. Uh, yep. So even turning your cell phone off doesn't work. So if if your cell phone is either on or off in your own bedroom, you're screwed. <laughs> to, to put it bluntly. Uh, and the only way to kill the microphone on your cell phone is to remove its battery. If there's no power to activate anything, that's when they cannot activate anything. Because somehow or another they can grab the power off that battery and turn on just the microphone into transmit mode without the whole phone being on. No idea how they do that, but, but it's just being done. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, just, I, uh, I decided I wasn't going to care anymore, and I just talk about anything I want to anyway, for the most part. Yeah. Uh, Let them listen. They need to know how ticked off people are and that they're not going to put up with it. Because thinking that you're fooled is different than thinking you're not fooled, but you're just laying low. There's a big difference between those two things. Yeah, it's just that when you have to discuss things like bank accounts and, and very personal business with somebody, it would be nice to know that the only person listening is the person you're in the room with looking face-to-face with. But yeah, that's that's a little difficult to to confirm anymore. They wouldn't be able to steal your patent that way. Well, they might find out how your technology works that way. Oops, and, uh, sorry about that. I bumped the phone. Yeah, but no, if they figure out how the technology works, then they just tweak something to get around the patent. So uh, that that's kind of been my my question with. Uh, uh, 
with David all, all along is he keeps running back to the patent owner is guilty of this and the patent owner is guilty of that. And I'm thinking criminals don't pay attention to patents. Why why does he keep running back to the patent holder as being the criminal? If if somebody understands a technology, they can commit a crime without owning the patent. But, yeah, uh, I mean, you might have a patent for a device or for some kind of technology that is supposed to be doing something good, and someone takes it and uses it for something else. Well, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking as a former Lockheed employee, uh, we made airplanes to defend this country. Uh, they got into the hands of criminal presidents who used them otherwise. So I have a major objection in how products that I actually built with my own hands ended up getting using, getting used. But that's another topic from another night. Um, just two things on my list here tonight. Um, first on Western Union and MoneyGram appear to have implemented a new policy either this week or very recently. It's just that I confronted it head-to-head yesterday, and I'm optimistic to know that God was with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they walked into the fiery furnace, and they came out with no smoke smell on their clothing, and I'm hoping and praying for the same in my situation, but I had to deliver some money to a foreign location to meet a government-imposed deadline by today, March 29, 2018. I went to a MoneyGram transfer station, and they immediately started asking me very personal questions about who I was sending this money to, with the killing question being, when was the last time you talked to this person face-to-face? excuse me, this is an international business associate. I can't afford to fly to that country, nor can I afford to fly them to my country to meet face-to-face. All this business was done over the Internet. Oh, well, if you haven't talked to this person face-to-face recently, we will not transfer your money. End of story. (laughs) Um, I argued with them at the transfer station for another 30 minutes pointing out to them uh, do you buy anything from Amazon? Uh, When was the last time you sat down face to face with Jeff Bezos? But you sent him money. What are you telling a small businessman like me why I am not able to send money to another country which your service offers offers the, the flyer right there at the transfer, transfer station for MoneyGram said, money around the world in minutes. As long as you have met that person face-to-face, but they don't say that on the banner. Uh, after 30 minutes of arguing, the agent I was arguing with conceded, yes, you've made some good points, we'll transfer your money. Fine. I thanked him. Uh, and then stepped over to the clerk to pay for it, put my debit card in. She banged into the numbers. Bang. My debit card got dinged for a couple of thousand dollars. 
as it was supposed to. And then the clerk looked at her computer screen and said, oh, no. Those are not the two words you want to hear when you just spent $2,000. I know. She said, we just dinged your card, but MoneyGram refused the transaction. So now your money is sitting here in our store, and MoneyGram won't take it. We have to pay you back in cash. I did not expect to walk into that store that morning with nothing in my pocket except my debit card and then walk back out on the street with 2,000 cash and not sure what to do with it. Could you redeposit it at the store? That began my very long day of then walking or then driving over to Western Union where I attempted to send it that route. And once again, the clerk this time took my cash, entered the transaction, and as she was giving me the receipt, she said, well, this will be your routing number. Oh, this is not my routing number. This will be the routing number. But please call this number first. They have some questions to ask. Well, with Western Union, I happen to be registered on my home telephone number, not my cell phone number. So if I yeah. ever talk to Western Union, I have to be at home when I talk to them for their caller ID to confirm that Desert Pete is you. really Desert Pete. Don't you love technology? It's so much easier. That's what I always say when something like that happens. My home so much is easier. Tw- yeah, my home is 26 miles away from the Western Union station. So I drove from there to home, picked up the phone, and wouldn't you know it, the clerk's handwriting, when she wrote out the number, she made a three look like an eight. So I wasted 20 minutes calling the wrong number, which never answered. And then I took a closer look, and I thought, maybe she meant a three. That's a really strange-looking three. But I tried again with changing the eight digit to three, and lo and behold, Western Union answers. Okay, so then starts the same argument I had with MoneyGram. If you haven't met this person face-to-face recently, we will not transfer your money. Just go back to your agent and get a refund. Here's your refund number. And that was the end of the conversation with Western Union. They wouldn't even drag it out for 30 minutes if I wanted to. So what is this, a law because of people funding terrorists or something? Why do they have it that way? I I can guess. It's like me having to prove I wasn't laundering money when I tried to buy my car. I was like, what? He goes, that's because of money laundering. And I said, to buy a car, a used Toyota? This is the case in point. (laughs) Uh, this particular transaction was to a different country. That's true. I will hand them that. But only last week I tried using MoneyGram to send some money to someone here in California, technically about 200 miles from my house. MoneyGram 
gave me the same baloney, if you have never met this person face-to-face, we will not transfer it. What? So it doesn't matter what country or what state. It could be somebody yeah, across the, the street. Yeah, the thing is you could just lie. You could say, yeah, I've seen them. <laughs> well, okay, let's jump over to Craigslist. What if you're looking for something diligently and you finally found it on Craigslist? Somebody has it for sale and you need to moneygram some some money to them real quick to uh, deposit on it before you can drive to their next town or whatever and go pick it up and face and and pay the final cash on it. But you have to get some instant money over to them. And let's say they don't have PayPal. Well, your only two options are Western Union or, uh, or MoneyGram. Neither of them will let you do that anymore. If you never met that person face-to-face and a telephone call or even a video Skype transfer does not qualify, according to them. You have to have met them face-to-face or they will not send your money. That is so weird. Um, given all the criminal activity out of Nigeria, I can almost understand it them doing that for that country but they're they're doing it to people in, inside your own state now and let's face it we find a lot of bargains on on craigslist and shucks i i found a here i am living in california and i found a great deal on a piece of audio equipment over in uh in las vegas and uh uh he was real uh when I met him face to face, he had exactly what he was offering, and he sold it to me for a bargain price. And when I even asked him how he acquired it, yeah, he was a, a musician himself, and musicians have this kind of equipment and get tired of it and move on to other stuff. So this was not hot merchandise by any means. Uh, he had been a legitimate owner of it for a while and no longer needed it, and and thus needed to turn it into cash, and so there's legitimate people selling legitimate garage sale stuff on Craigslist, and I've got one of those items right here in my bedroom. So they do exist, but man, on on some of the bigger ticket items, especially if they're several hundred dollars for a a full price, you better be able to, to get some instant money over to them fast. And this can be a complete stranger, and like you say, even buying a car. Uh, somebody you never met before in your life, if if you haven't, you cannot use MoneyGram or Western Union to even get a down payment to them. Uh, so anyway, that's uh, an indication that uh, all the financial institutions... and So they're going to start controlling how people pay each other. Yeah. And that's just another step. That's another step in saying, no, you're not worthy to be able to do business. Yeah, well, here, here is my. Isn't shock. it your own risk? Isn't it your own risk? That's it the is. thing. It is. And and here's here's my humbling observation for the day, given all the bad news we've learned from reading Creature from Jekyll Island and all the doom and gloom stories of our whole banking industry about to go under. Uh, my bank actually did their job properly. <laughs> All day yesterday, <laughs> my debit card worked when it should. It paid out yeah. money that was so solid, it, it was a grocery store I was at. Yeah. And when the clerk realized the error, 
she realized she didn't have enough cash in her drawer to pay me back. So she went over and got cash from two other checkout drawer <laughs> from two other checkout stands, still didn't have enough. So she called her manager who went to the vault upstairs and he came, he came down with the balance of this humongous payout. And I walked into the store with just a lot of credit on on my bank debit card and walked out with 2000 cash and I was in shock. Yeah, it's like good thing nobody was waiting for you out in the parking lot. Uh, exactly. And uh uh yeah, well yeah, I buy groceries there regularly. I don't know if they even recognize me. But when that happened, I I reached in and pulled out my business card and I leaned over to the clerk. I said, if your manager or anybody gives you an issue over this, of who was that guy who walked in, screwed up a MoneyGram transaction, and walked out with all that cash, uh, this is my home address, and you know how to reach me. Uh, I did not come in here to cause any trouble. I expected a smooth transfer with MoneyGram, and MoneyGram caused the whole problem. So, uh, anyway, that was my day yesterday. Well, not the entire day I should mention that, uh, uh, oh, Western Union, I actually used Kmart at their workstation to send it. Then I drive back home, 26 miles, and Western Union refuses to transfer it and then gives me a refund number. Okay, so I drive back to Kmart, another 26 miles, and walked back to the same counter and saw the same lady who took my order was walking out of the store. It was the end of her shift. So somebody new was on there, and I showed him my my transaction slip with the refund number, and I said, Western Union told me to get a refund. And he looked at it, and he said, we don't have enough cash for, for that. And I said, I just paid you cash two hours ago. It's my cash. Give it back. And he yep. said, oh, well, that is in the former clerk's cash drawer, and that doesn't get counted until tonight. And so until that is counted, we cannot issue any cash from that drawer. And I said, can't you count it now? He said, no. So he tells me... Good Lord. So he tells me I'm welcome to go to any other Western Union outlet in town and get my refund there. So I'm just thinking at the top of my mind, where are there other Western Unions in town? And I remembered, oh yeah, the Rite Aid Pharmacy had one. And they may have enough cash to pay it out. Okay. Ginger, I'm sorry, this story is going to get long here. Shut me up any time. But <laughs> but you, you aren't going to believe what, what happened next. I then, with Western Union slip and refund number in hand, walk into a major national pharmacy, Rite Aid. And as I walk up to the counter, I said, uh, uh, I have a Western Union uh, matter. And he said, oh, you have to call them on, on the phone they have. And I said, no, I'm, I'm getting a refund. I'm not sending money. He said, oh, they have to give you authorization for it. They have to give them authorization to do anything. <laughs> okay, so I pick up their their uh, their telephone.
phone there that they have at their Western Union station. On begins another conversation with Western Union. While I'm talking to them, he realizes, okay, you're not at the station that you sent the money from, but you are at an authorized station that should pay you out. Okay, here is the password code for the clerk there to open it up on his register. I go, fine. So I write that number down, thank him, hang up the phone, walk back to the clerk, hand him that number. He enters it into a screen and bang, pops up on my screen, my whole transaction. I think, great, I'm going to get my money. The next words out of his mouth is, oh, we don't carry that much cash. We can't help you. <laughs> what? This is a national chain pharmacy. They don't have enough cash in the store to handle Everything's that? Everything's electronic. It's all in the uh, transactions over the uh, network. It's not actual money, cash. They don't so, deal with cash. That's so, probably what they were thinking. Are you crazy? <laughs> so he calls over his manager, a very nice lady, I should mention, who explains to me, yeah, for, for hold-up prevention, they, they never have cash out. In fact, they, they do frequent withdrawals through the day to limit the amount of cash in a register. Uh, and it all goes, I don't know, into a safe or or a Brinks truck pulls up. I don't know what they do with it, but the point is they, they never leave very much cash in any register. Uh, but then she gave me another recommendation. She said there is one other place in town that cashes checks is their business. And she said they always have a huge amount of cash on board. And they also happen to be Western Union. So she recommended I go over to them. Okay, I thanked her, and everything got closed out there at Rite Aid. I hop on the car, drive back to the other end of town, and go into a new place I'd never been in before in my life. And I walked up to the lady at the counter, and I said, I'll ask you the difficult question first, then we'll do business. I said, do you have enough cash on hand to do a Western Union refund of this amount? And she smiled and shook her head, yes, yeah, we do, all the time. Great. I finally think I have a solution. So I give her all the paperwork. She punches in all the code numbers. What comes up on the screen? A big red flag. This transaction is being worked on at another terminal. Yeah. Unable to continue. You fell into their big web of garbage. It's what you did. It's so common. That's the thing that is uh, irritating about this. It's very common what happened to you. The the lady then says, oh, well, if you sent it from Kmart, you, you need to go back there. And I said, no, Kmart doesn't have enough cash to pay me back. And I really didn't open up my case at Kmart a second time. I said, the only person I've talked to since then is over at Rite Aid. And so this lady says, oh, well, Rite Aid did not close out their their screen properly. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Well, that's your that's your problem, right? Because they didn't my, do their job. Take my paperwork, drive back <laughs> to Rite Aid, and confront the manager and the clerk again. Yeah. They, they should be giving you gas money by now because you've been everywhere. They 
my tripodometer said 109 miles at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, the uh, they assured me the screen was closed properly. She even spun it around and showed me. Said, "No, your transaction is no longer in our control. You need to talk to Western Union." <laughs> it's a wonder they didn't put you like, because now you've done about three or four different things. It's a wonder they didn't like put you six thousand dollars in the hole or something like. You so, keep taking this money. I well, don't have any money. You didn't give it to me. <laughs> well, between you, me, and the wall, my account only had about another twenty dollars left in it <laughs> after that oh, big withdrawal. Good grief! So that would have been impossible to uh, to take any more out uh, without my bank dropping the hammer on me. But uh, but I'm trying to get to the end of the story as fast as I can here. Uh, so, so the clerk at Rite Aid tells me you have to talk to Wells to uh, to Western Union again. Back to the phone, back to punching in what kiosk are you at, and uh, and your transaction number and whatever. And I finally get surprise, surprise, a very proficient lady on the phone who actually speaks English. <laughs> and she said, uh, when did you enter this information uh, there at Rite Aid? And I said, well, about 20 minutes ago. And she goes, oh, we had a network outage 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but it sounds like what happens usually. I I and, think the only thing that ever works well on any of those things is when it's exactly how they always do it. They can't take anything that has any complexity to it or fits outside their... You know, well, to, common. To, to my shock, this very finally a proficient lady at Western Union punched my numbers in again, and she said, "Yeah, that's what happened. Your uh, the, the the Rite Aid store closed out its screen the exact same time that Western Union had a network outage. The exact same moment. What are the odds of that?" I don't know what your odds are, but mine are almost a hundred percent. We call and, it my claw because I have that kind of stuff happen all the time. She went on to say, yes, I'm looking at the transaction right now. It's free and clear and available for you to go into again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I said, the 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 manager is standing next to me. She's smiling and applauding. Uh, and so I thank the lady at Western Union. Then I thank the local manager. And the lo- local manager threw another question at me. She said, I sent you to a check cashing business. I'm curious, how much did they charge you to get the refund back? And I hadn't thought of that. And she said, yeah, they're in the business of cashing checks, and they always charge a fee. So don't be surprised if they extract (laughs) a sizable amount out of your refund. And I said, oh, okay, thank you for warning me of that. But I was desperate to get whatever cash I could get back. Oh, it'd be nice to be able to get home and have something to eat. So, oh, I had completely <laughs> lost my appetite for the entire day at that point. Yeah. Uh, so hop in the car, drive back to the other end of town, go back to this ca- uh, cash your check business, and walk in. And I said, I talked to Western Union. They claimed that they had a network outage, and uh, it should work now. So she entered the, the account. It actually came up Okay. She handed me two pieces of paper to sign, 
and she walks back to their vault and comes back yet back to me with a stack of hundred dollar bills. <laughs> Counts them out at cool. lightning speed. Yeah. And I thanked her, and I said, you counted out the exact amount of the transfer. I said, uh, does Western Union pay you the fee for this? And she she nodded her head and smiled and said, oh, yeah, they have to pay us. Yes, I, it was I their was problem. Shock. It wasn't your problem. It was theirs. I mean, we all look down on these check-cashing businesses, and that was the most legitimate professional professional business I encountered all day. Yeah. Uh, so now the the last punchline <laughs> of the story, if if there has to be anything to laugh at for the day, I go back to my bank's ATM. At least I have the money. I've got to get it back into my bank account. Yep. I punch in, pin, open up the thing, tell it I need to make a deposit, and the ATMs now take cash deposits. And the the little sign next to the window that you shove the money in said, uh, deposit uh, cash or checks up to 30 pieces. Well, (laughs) I had a stack of 20 $100 bills. Yeah. Okay, that met the criteria. As I tried to feed it into the window, it kept shoving it back at me. It wouldn't take it. Probably the mechanism was broken in there. At this point, that's when I realized, as I'm feeling this wad of Federal Reserve notes in my hand, I'm seeing there's two different styles here. The newer $100 bills are thicker than the older Ah. $100 bills. They have chips in them, too, I think. Probably so. Yeah, I think they do. So what used to fit... In that little they want slot. to know what GPS location you were in when you were putting them into the machine. Exactly. But what, they have to know everything. What used to fit doesn't fit anymore. So now here I am standing at this outdoor ATM. There's a line of people behind me now waiting to use the ATM. And I have to frantically count out <laughs> an abnormally large amount of money for me. Yes. All right, so I asked for my card back, and I stepped aside and let somebody else get their ATM work done. While I'm overstanding in the sunlight, again, hot day, counting out $100 bills into stacks of 10. <laughs> yes, thank God there was no criminals standing by. Yeah, they would have got you, carried you off somewhere, taken uh, all your money, and left you in the desert. That was... <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's the case. I've seen the movies. Uh, so, okay, after the other people got use, done using the ATM, I go back, punch in the card again, password, and uh, and now I feed separate stacks of bills in, and it took those. <laughs> I now have... What started the day as just a transaction on an ATM card unexpectedly transfers into cash, causes me to drive to both ends of town four times, and 
Then I have to count the cash out into two separate stacks and make separate deposits. But thank God the money is finally back in my account. <laughs> Good. Well, the thing is that the thing that always gets me just like wired from stuff like this is the fact that you're solving their problem. It's you know, you're taking your whole day to solve their problem. You didn't create that problem. They created it. And they don't care. They don't care what what you had to go through. A hundred and nine miles of mm-hmm. my solving their problem. Yeah, and your day. And, and in the old days, you would have gone to the first place, and they would have solved the problem right there. They would have yeah. found a way to do it. They would have sent somebody out somewhere. They would have sent somebody over to the bank or whatever to take care of it. Instead, they made you do it. It's it's just crazy. It's crazy. The world is crazy right now. Well, so Nuts. my my dilemma I'm now left with is <clears throat> my money did not reach the attorney's office in this other country. Yeah. This morning when it was supposed to. Yeah. So now what are you supposed to do? Uh, the attorney has a lot of work ahead of him. Oh. Um, I have proof that the money to pay that last government fee was attempted to be sent from the United States by two different carriers, and both of them refused it. Mm-hmm. At least now I have proof of that claim. But yeah. uh, whether that will save the biggest deal I ever worked on in my life, I don't know. Or or if I just have nothing more than a funny story on Uda to, to look back and laugh at. Well, hopefully something happens. Um, you know? Just for the pleasure of telling this to friends, I owe everybody on Uda tonight a lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, whenever, whenever we all get together at some point. Whenever. If if we all meet at Vegas, I'll I'll take you to a nice buffet. We'll put it that way. Wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be just so much fun if we all got to go to dinner somewhere? I think it would be a riot. I, I almost need to take a screenshot tonight. In fact, I think I will while I'm leaning at my computer and see who, who's online tonight. So <laughs> See who, who I owe a lunch to at uh, at some Vegas buffet. Hey, look, I'll collect some point. <laughs> yeah. never know. Okay. Things have to improve soon. I'm hoping that we're going to get a big refund check of all the money that's been stolen from us. That would be nice. Wouldn't that be nice? Of all the money that's been stolen from all of us, and I look back at my my two Bitcoin major screw-ups last year, and what Bitcoin ended up turning into after I played Mr. Risk with with Bitcoins that originally had only cost $100 each. And who would have known that those individual $100 Bitcoins were turned into $20,000? That that's man. That that's like holding a, a big lottery ticket and putting it on your bicycle spoke or something. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm surprised at some of the stuff that I'm seeing on like just eBay. You know, things that sell for a lot, and then other things that you think are worth something they sell for nothing. Wow. You know, I what I do is I spend some of my time just looking through eBay to see what kinds of things people are buying, and then I look around see if I have it because who cares I don't need this stuff anymore 
we collected all this stuff back in the 80s and 90s going to auctions. We were enjoying it, you know, like this is going to be fun. We'll have this for our kids and stuff, give it away. They don't want any of it. They don't want that stuff. So if there's still people out there that want it, I'm trying to cut my losses. I'm trying to just sell it. And, um, you know, there's a, it is losses. I mean, people aren't doing that anymore. They're living a Spartan life now. They have, like, their knockdown furniture that they can throw away if it breaks. They don't care about the antiques. They don't want any of that old stuff. They don't even want the baby boomers around, let alone their grandparents and great-grandparents stuff. So it's like if somebody wants it now, boy, sell it and get rid of it. Well, I need to thank you for a wonderful segue into the other topic on my list tonight without okay. blaming me for making the show a lot longer than it should be. Uh, that's eBay yeah. uh, and some odd finds on eBay. Uh, as, as you browse around, you know this as much as I do, that you occasionally hit other topics that lead you to different categories and stuff that you never expected to find. Yeah. Uh, while I was kind of chasing a a nautical marine theme initially, I found this gorgeous dining table, little 48-inch diameter round one, that was made from an original clipper ship bell at the base <laughs> that weighed a lot. Yeah. And then it had a shaft on it, and above that was the helm from the ship, from the same ship, turned sideways, and then they put a round piece of glass on top of that. That table wow. was gorgeous. Yeah, I bet. And when you read the details on it, it came from a real clipper ship. A real clipper ship that you could look up the history on Wikipedia. Uh, a clipper ship that had funny stories like this is one of the clipper ships used to shuttle women from the East Coast around South America up to California during the California Gold Rush. <laughs> and I found a funny story of the, the captain telling the the harrowing experience of of having a boatload of women as he goes around the Cape in South America, which is always bad weather any time of year. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and this was the ship that did it. The original bell and the original helm. To my shock, that table sold for $3,000. Wow. Uh, as beautiful as it is, I thought that's really not a bad price, especially with its historical value. So this was my follow-up on that. I was curious, okay, what if I wanted to make a fake copy? How much would it cost me to have a bell of that size made? And then how much is the glass top? And then how much is the the steering wheel, the, the helm, uh, if I was to get one of those off of eBay? Uh, helms sell as cheap as $300. Uh, if it has historical value, it can go into the many thousands. But uh, a nice-looking uh, old tall ship helm can be acquired on eBay for under $1,000. Okay, so that's one component. But then the bell, I was curious of that. I couldn't find any big ship bills on, on eBay. 
So I, I did a quick search to try to find out who casts bells anymore, especially big ones like that. Uh, to my surprise, and this should perk up your ears, I found two companies that cast bells. Both of them are in Maine. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm not surprised, really, because of the boat building up here. Uh, A lot of people yeah. build boats. Yeah. Well, the the first one I looked at, they only made small bells. And when I told them <laughs> the sizes would have to be, they said, no, that that's too big for them to cast, and I'd have to look elsewhere. Okay, so thank them and, and kept looking. I found yeah. another company, again, they're in Maine. I think it was Bellingham Bells, something like that. They made the ship bell for the latest aircraft carrier, the George H.W. Bush. Uh, they were the ones who cast that bell. And then they had a bunch of other interesting uh, uh, trivia related to bells on there, and I started reading on that. And uh, shucks, I've gone sailing before, but I didn't know this stuff. Uh, it is... Uh, Coast Guard regulation to match certain size bells to certain size ships. And that makes logical sense if you're... Yeah, you, in the fog you'd know what size they are by hearing exactly. the bell. Yeah. And, uh, Good idea. It corresponds that the bigger the bell, that would be a lower note, and you would know that, oh, I'm coming up on a really big ship, but if you hear a high-pitched bell okay, he's a small guy, he can maneuver around me. Uh, and then I looked at the different sizes and what size boat they are related to, and I realized the largest bell they had that was the size used on this aircraft carrier was a 16-inch diameter. Uh, I guess that's the measure of the flare at the bottom. Probably. And so 16-inch was as large as they get. So the guy with that original clipper ship uh, table I looked at, he didn't state the size of the bell. He just mentioned how outrageously heavy it was. Um, but I realize now that according to maritime law and regulations, that had to have been a a 16-inch bell. Because so I think that clipper ship was what, 150, 190 feet long. Uh, it was definitely over 100 feet, so it it, it fit in the 16-inch the bell category. Hmm. Okay, so my bottom line question, how much to cast a brand new 16-inch bell? With the bonus that you can now put any name you want on it, <laughs> if, if it's a brand new casting for you. Uh, it costs yep. eight, the answer is $8,600 to cast a new bell. Wow. So now let's back up to what did I find on eBay. He sold that beautiful piece of furniture, finished, for $3,000. It would cost somebody over $12,000 to make a fake copy. Wow. That guy let it go for a song. I'll tell you, there's a lot of things you can find if nobody's really paying attention because yeah. you have to sit there to see it. You'd have to know to go look for it. Yeah. So if somebody has something like that and maybe they're clearing an estate or something and they just want to clean the house out, they'll put something on there and have no idea what it's worth and they don't want to take the time. So people can really make money on finding some of those things 
the thing yeah. is, it's just like what you said, you have to be really careful you don't get stuck with something that's fake. Um, you know, if you're going to put a lot of money into it, but yeah. The um but the possibilities there, we we've, we've had a lot of that kind of stuff in Maine for a long time. It's drying up more now, but you think about how old Maine is. It, you know, the things that were in people's attics and you know, in their houses and their grandparents and all that, all that stuff was coming out and being sold at auctions, and people just, you know, we've had a lot of yeah. really good antiques up here. Well, and it, uh, people would, they'd take them, take loads to other states to sell them because they'd make more money there. But new generation, really yeah. yeah. Old people die off. New generations come in, and stuff just has to shuffle through and shuffle around. Well, we we you know when we were collecting all this stuff, when my late husband and I were going to all these auctions, we thought we were building up some value. I mean, like you know, these are things that'll be worth something later. They'll be worth more than they are now because that's what had been happening. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened at all because the younger generation didn't want it. So you come back yeah. into this, you know, supply and demand thing. The things they're buying now are bizarre. They're buying things like what they had at their childhood that they threw away. Things that they were interested yeah. in and liked, like old video games. They're buying that stuff that's so primitive. Well, but you know, it's their childhood. They want to remember their childhood. So the 70s baby. some of that is good. Yeah, oh, we baby boomers are certainly guilty of that from anything back yeah. in the fifties. So, yeah, uh, they they actually like some of the furniture from the fifties, and we, you uh, know, my boyfriend and I, we laugh about this because we'll see some of the things that they like, and it's like, are you kidding me? That was like stuff that was in my aunt's house that we couldn't wait to throw away in the dump. Exactly, and they love it that that vintage looking fifties um, stuff with the vinyl and. The, ugh. Vinyl I mean, I still don't like yeah. the looks of it. That modern stuff, yeah. Yeah. I think it's hideous, but vinyl and, they and think now it's cool. rusty chrome. But uh, and the other thing they're doing, they're painting the old antiques. They're taking chalk paint and stuff. That's what they're doing up here. Some of these uh, little shops that sell, you know, cheap furniture or whatever. So they're getting good money for some of these like old bookcases or some beautiful, you know, oak dresser or buffet or something and they're painting it with chalk paint and then selling it and people are saying that is so beautiful you know they pay i only paid four hundred dollars for this and we're just like are you kidding me it's it's like almost too sickening because i mean i love the looks of a beautiful oak piece of furniture and oak is like they just paint over it oh my gosh it's horrible Natural wood <laughs> certainly has its value to me. Uh, I love wood. I love the way it looks. My house is looking a little old-fashioned now because some of our like uh, baseboards and um, trim around our doorways and things like that were natural. We did natural wood and and stained it like uh, I guess like an early American color and then put polyurethane over it so it's washable and stuff. And you know it's like. So should we paint over that now? Should we paint it white? Because a lot of people now, they've gone back to all white trim, white doors, you know, all that stuff. And here, this house, every time we remodeled anything, we put natural-looking wood in it because we liked it, the way it looked. Now it just looks like, okay, it looks like 70s. Yeah. I was... Over the top of my head, I'm on like a converted porch, and over top of my head is tongue-and-groove pine boards on the ceiling. 
and the beams are exposed but covered with like pine and stained and urethane. And it looks really nice up there. But it's not the current style. That's <laughs> not what people are doing now. Yeah, I so. was uh conversing with a, a very good musician about uh pianos and uh various types and styles and whatnot. And uh he acknowledged that yeah, for concert grands people are used to seeing a big ebony black concert grand on a stage but they don't realize ebony black paint is there for only one purpose that's to hide all the flaws in the wood he said you know you have a real grand piano when you see the wood grain and that there's nothing being hidden there and that's just what black paint does is just hide the flaws Oh, uh, so that's a point well taken on uh, on concert grand pianos. Uh, so observing that, uh, getting back, the last point I wanted to make on this this unique table I found there on eBay is uh, the the fellow's description when it was still up for sale. He was uh, very clear to point out that it was authenticated by the International. Mariners Association or something like that, that it really was the ship and helm to that ship and that it was not a fake. Mm -hmm. But after my own research, I discovered, oh, if somebody wanted to fake the same thing, it would cost them $12,000 to make a fake. If that bell is real brass, it doesn't matter if it came from that clipper ship or not. It's going to cost you about 9000 bucks. People love bells anyway. They love anything like that. Yeah. Even so if they uh, didn't know what ship, they would still love the brass bell. Well, <clears throat> so it uh, <laughs> it pays to be rich when <laughs> when opportunities like that happen. And uh, I uh, after it was sold, I, I I went back to the seller and I said, if if your buyer gets buyer's remorse, get in touch with me. <laughs> Yeah, and he thanked me and said, "Yeah, he was he was still trying to figure out shipping details with the buyers." So, uh, yeah, really. So who knows? You'd I have I, to create I, something like that. Uh, well, it the the seller happened to be here in California, so I would get my hands on a van and moving equipment and go pick it up directly. Uh, but that that glass has to get positioned between two three-quarter-inch plywood boards, and that bell's got to get up on a shipping pallet to uh, to be able to move it. Um, he did not state the weight in the ad, but I looked that up, and the, uh, the bell maker said that 16-inch bells weigh, uh, what did he say, 85 pounds. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, uh, so yeah, that that's handleable with the, uh, if it's on a pallet especially, and you just need a, an appliance dolly, and you can move it anywhere. Uh, but yeah, those are my fascinating finds on the, on eBay this <laughs> this last week here. Oh my gosh! Uh, and, and I really thought that was funny. That uh, oh, you're so proud that it was original, but a fake would cost you twelve thousand dollars. <laughs> I'll buy the original. <laughs> You don't mind. I know. I think some people are just like, they just need to get this stuff out of their house. They're moving to apartments or whatever, and nobody wants it, and they just don't want it lost. So Yeah. 
well, uh, when I clicked on the guy's main link, I realized, yeah, this guy is a furniture dealer here in Southern California. So, yeah, he had a garage full of things like this, and he didn't have any place for it. He just wanted to move it. So no telling what he bought it for. If he let it go for 3000 good grief, he probably bought it for one or 2000 Hard to um, say. I know somebody who's cleaning out storage buildings right now and just had a whole bunch of stuff they got out of a... They had gone to bid on one, and then the person that owned the storage unit business said, well, um, we have another... I guess they bid on two of them. And they said, we have a third one if you're interested in that. And they were like, you know, I don't think I want to bid on the, I don't think I want to bid on the third one. And they said, okay, then. And they started to back out of it. And they're like, well, how much would you charge us to clean it out? I mean, it's that bad. People just, they don't know what to do with all this stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> and so she got a whole bunch of stuff. And she has like a store. So she does sell a lot of things that way. And she sells some things online. But you get to the point where you just have so much of it, you can't even stand it, and you have to sell it for almost nothing. Like, I plan to do another $1 yard sale this year, and it's just because I can't keep it. I can't keep trying to sell stuff for trying to get back what I put into it. So it's just like, fine, let somebody else have it then. I have to get rid of it. I can't live like this. It's driving me nuts. So I think, you know, a $1 yard sale is a good thing. Let somebody use it instead of having it stored in every nook and cranny. So. Well, so my hopes of being able to buy a, va- uh, a nice home in Las Vegas and, and move there may have been dashed on a rock this week by policies at Western Union and MoneyGram. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I don't know. Well, maybe we're going to have to develop our own way to do things and just... I know they will never let people do that because these are banks. You know, it's like, oh, it's a bank. They run everything. Well, and, if, uh, if Field ever gets his his jet yeah. with transatlantic capabilities and we encounter a situation like this, shucks, our own government ships pallet loads of money to foreign governments for whatever reason. We may have to do that ourselves, be able to fly to a certain airport and deliver a bag full of money to somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so, hope that they don't decide to crash the airplane before we get there so they can pick up all the wallets and stuff. Yeah. Well, it, it seems to me a, a group of individuals several hundred years ago tried to do that. It's called the Knights Templar. So we, Man. we end up starting our own, uh, our own competition to... Uh, to Western Union and MoneyGram. Uh, you need it fast. You need your cash there <laughs> fast. <laughs> Use our service. Yeah. So, uh, but then we need to be escorted by a bunch of fighter jets just to make sure we get there safely. That's the next problem. Yep. Okay. Yeah. If it doesn't one challenge, it's another. But those are my challenges for the week. And, uh, Much fun. Oh, well, if anything, we can teach people what not to do. (laughs) (laughs) Don't try this at home. That's a a point well taken. Number eight, which is John saying deep discounts hurt. Yeah, no kidding. The thing is that we didn't know. I mean, we have to go by what we knew at the time, and at the time it seemed like a good way to um, hedge some 
you know, risk. I had like, you know, two, we had two adults working. We had um, insurance. We had dental insurance. We had profit sharing. We had um, investments into money market um, type mutual funds and things like that. We had uh, some of it invested in riskier stuff for like, you know, to see if you could make more money on helping people start, all that stuff. It was some of that mutual fund type of thing. We had savings. We had antiques. We had real estate. And it was just like, there, we've covered our bases, right? If If any one aspect of the economy crashes, we'll still have something else because we had children. We're like, you know, we've got to make sure everything's fine. So we go through all this stuff. And then, as you know, the last couple of decades have been a disaster for a lot of people. It just, you know, everything just kept going down, down, down. And, you know, I had other things on top of that, such as losing my husband, young, um, and losing my job because of downsizing. That had to do with population and things like that. I mean, just demographics. Just the fact that people didn't have as many children and the towns were shrinking because of the UN Agenda 2030 now. But at the time, people going into, um, you know, trying to force people into the cities and away from the small towns and all the consolidations. And every single thing, because of the way we were spread out, diversified or whatever you want to call it, Every single thing had an impact on my family. So, you know, being a landlord, how did that work out? Started having competition from um, public-type assisted uh, rent assistance or whatever you want to call it, subsidized housing, was in competition with me. Then they would do different types of things with codes. And then they would change how people, you know, what their rights were as tenants. All kinds of things were changing. And it was like, okay, so I learned about that, and I learned about that, and then I lost this. So it's like the way I look at it now is take what you have, do what you can, make your best judgments, and see how much of it you can recover. Don't just subsist if you can help it. you know. And I would say, like Desert Peak says, keep on going. Try something different. And I know that that's what you're doing anyway, Desert Peak. You're trying to do something different. Because our lives changed. We had everything pulled out from under us. And that was just... Uh, as, as you open the show in your monologue tonight, James can put up a comment that there were a lot of other news items of uh, of Trump doing some major stuff. And this just leads to the, the old adage that the only constant in life is change. Oh, it changes all right. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you think you've planned ahead, like, this is one of the reasons why I get really, like, my back goes right up if somebody says, well, you should have planned better, is that, excuse me, no, uh, actually, we planned well. We planned really well. I wouldn't even be at the point I am now if I hadn't. I couldn't have survived if I had done what everybody else did, which was go to work every day, put your stuff in the savings account, get your 3% or whatever they were paying. If we had done that, we wouldn't have lived through the changes that we had to go through because our rugs kept getting pulled out from under us. It wasn't just one. It wasn't just his health. It wasn't just me losing my, you know, I didn't actually lose my job. I quit because I wasn't going to be downsized to nothing 
and have no benefits after all that time. I'd worked for 20 years doing what I was doing. I wasn't going to work for nothing. And so I left. But, you know, some of the things that happened were timing because of what was going on in the larger world and then what was going on in my own world at the same time. And some of it was the fact that they kept pulling the rug out from under people like us. They didn't want us competing with the big boys. They didn't want us being successful. It was it was all for their, you know, corporate needs or their corporate plans to have the big boys be successful and the little guys to be crushed. And that was what the system was meant to do. And so when it happened, it wasn't because the little guys failed. It was because the big guys crushed them. Big difference. So, you know, I, I still... I still tell my younger friends that that are successful to be really careful because somebody's watching their money, waiting for the way to get it. That's what they do. They wait until the time they can get it. They wait for a weak spot or a downturn that they create, and then they put in something into place that will take you out, and they get it for nothing. You know, it's like, yeah. We yeah. bought your business for a thousand dollars, and it was worth a hundred thousand last year. Oh well, too bad for you, but we're really smart, so we'll fix it. Oh, and th- and that's how they feel about it. They don't have any. There's no conscience there whatsoever. It's all about that number in the bank, how much money's in there. They're sick. I mean, in my opinion, they're sick because their life—that's what their life is—is is just how much, how many numbers they have in the bank. I just say whoop-de-doo right to their face. They don't know what to say because I tell them what I think of that every this time is, I get a chance. This is where if if you don't die of old age first, patience can often pay off. I, I know you mentioned selling stuff that you just have to get rid of. Well, I held on to that Beach Boy concert console for 32 years, and it yeah. wasn't until I finally found somebody who realized its value that I got a decent price for it, and it took me 32 years to find them. And everybody was calling me a nut junk collector. Oh, throw it in the trash, haul it to the dump, uh, all that time. And just nobody that I met in all those 32 years recognized the value of it until... This guy in Florida found something over here in California that he had been looking for. Found it on the internet, and then he found me, and I had a sale. Yeah. And that that rescued a serious financial problem I had in my life at that time. Yeah, uh, and you probably so. felt relief because you finally found somebody that actually wanted that and wasn't just going to throw it in the dump somewhere. Exactly. That's yeah. the thing. I mean, I that's what I look for too. With so, if I have something that I think has some value or historical value, that's what I look for too. I don't want to just like have it thrown out or somebody not take care of something like that, you know. Um, and I do have some things in my house that I've picked up at yard sales or whatever that I think have some value, and I just couldn't stand it because I knew the people were gonna. I would come home with stuff I didn't even really want, and and my husband would say. Well, why did you buy that? I'm like, because I knew they were going to throw it away. It wasn't even that I really wanted it. I just couldn't stand the idea that it was going to the landfill when their yard sale was over. 
I knew it had some value in it, and it was something that should be kept. And it would be something like, you know, a historical record of something, someone's handwritten accounts from their general store or something like that. You know, those are things that people love. They don't throw them away. They keep them. So, you know, I have some interesting stuff like that kicking around in my house, too, that I need to sell or find a place for. Oh, I don't know. We were busy. We took a lot of time doing things back in the old days. And Sometimes I look back on it and think, you know, I could have been using my time in a different manner and, and probably instead of working in schools for nothing, I could have been using my talents and energy towards becoming wealthy because I probably would have. But you can't go back. And at the time, that was what I thought I should be doing is teaching. So that's what I did. I didn't make a lot of money, I'll tell you right now. I think my take-home pay was something like $380 or something every two weeks. So that's not much a week. And that was full-time work. Yeah. I did it as, you know, giving giving to the future generations is what I did it for. I didn't need the money, so why would I care? And then later when I did need the money, of course, you know, it didn't really matter that much, but... I had insurance, at least. I had some things like that, and then they started taking away, you know, parts of the benefits. Like, well, now you have to pay part of your premiums. You can't just, you know, we're not going to pay everybody's insurance anymore. We're going to pay part of your insurance. And so, you know, I wasn't a full-fledged teacher, so I didn't make a teacher's salary. I was paid hourly when I worked here in town, and then when I worked in the other town, I did have a salary. But I was burning up a lot of gas, too, because I was driving about 26 miles a day to work, one way. So that's a lot of gas and wear and tear, as you know, as you've learned (laughs) traveling to something. But I wasn't going to move to that town because our life was here. And now I'm watching, you know, this town. Oh, speaking of this town, holy cow, Bangor is having a five-story building built downtown now. It's a bank complex. And it's going to look so weird and out of place. That's a huge building for a place like this. I don't know what they're thinking, but anyway, when it's a bank, they do what they want, and that's what they want. So we're going to have a five-story building on Main Street down near where the uh, waterfront concerts are. So they can probably sit up there and have free concerts. It's just it's changing. It's not really a not really um, anything I'm that interested in. Let's put it that way. I liked it the way it was, and I, it's not that I'm like saying I don't think people should you know develop things or have progress or anything. But I think it's just it's killed the unique flavor of the place. And I keep saying it's going to be like Brooklyn, you know, where. They took something that was interesting and nice that the people that lived in Brooklyn loved and used them to build in, you know, to bring in all this new stuff and then made it impossible for the older people to stay there, the family businesses and all the things that that um, made Brooklyn Brooklyn. <laughs> they changed it, kicked all those people out after they had helped them come in. And that's what I think is happening here, same kind of thing. Like they're going to make money, so they don't care. They'll trample right over it. It's not even going to be like our town anymore. So, you know, that's 
fine with some people. It's not fine with me. I don't like it a bit. Doesn't feel like home. Yeah, when cities get too much renovation, it just really appears the the soul of the city is gone. Well, what they did was they put up a board fence on Main Street, which obliterates the view of the river. And the river was something that people liked looking at. I mean, you're driving down the street. Yes, you're in your car driving, but you can see the river. And it was like the length of Main Street. You could see the river. Well, then they started having this waterfront concert venue, and they wanted it to not to have to tear it down every year when the concert season was over. It's made out of, like, pipe and that whole thing. You know, it looks like a big erector set, the stage. So they finally left it there. They would leave it even though it wasn't concert season anymore. And then they had contracts that said that he could have um, exclusive use of the site because he had to insure it and things like that. So they started enclosing it. They had, like, cyclone fence, chain link around it. Then they decided that that wasn't going to work because people could be outside the fence and still see the concert because, yeah, because it's right there beside Main Street. That's why. (laughs) It's not off in a field somewhere. It's not out of town a little bit. It's in town on the river. Between the river and Main Street is where it is. So they did that, and then they started covering the fence with, um, you know, like tarps or whatever, they put stuff on the fence, and that broke down and looked like hell. It looked like, you know, the projects or something. It looked like poverty. And so people complained about that. They said, this looks terrible. There's no concerts going on for most of the time because they were on the weekends or whatever. And then you're looking at this deteriorated covering for a chain-link fence. It looks like hell. So they complained, and then they ripped that down. And a couple years ago, I think it was, because I ranted and raved over this for a while, too, they put up a board fence. And so now you can't see the river at all. It's like you drive down Main Street and you see a board fence for a long ways. <laughs> it's like So they ruined the whole way it looks down there anyway. And now they're going to put a five-story building right next. It's like the lot next to it. They blocked off part of the street, um, and the bank bought that. So now you can't drive through the way people used to drive. You have to go around. So they're going to have this big block of property with these buildings on it that just look out over the river and are just going to look huge. And there will be no views of the river. You'll have to go right down in there to be able to see the river at all. And there's a walkway along the river, but no one will see that unless they know it's there. They won't. Visitors to the city won't see it. They'll have to know it's there. So they've just kind of, you know, they've ruined everything about the town. The whole downtown now, the revitalization downtown that was supposed to bring all this business in is mostly bars. So it's like they go down there and party on the weekends and they stay down there until late at night drinking a bunch of people. But those people that are doing that are aging out of that behavior. You know, people that have families, they don't they don't continue to do that. That's 20 and 30-year-olds probably, mostly. And so all the people that had all that energy, that brought all that energy to the downtown area are aging out of that behavior. They're not going to be going down there, so that's going to drop off because they'll have their families, and and there's nothing for families to do here anymore because they did that. They put put all their eggs in that basket. 
of, uh, you know, large outdoor concerts and drinking. <laughs> so now it's a party town, and pretty soon there won't be any party-goers to go to it. So I don't know what they think they're going to do. They're not really thinking long-range. They're thinking of getting money out of as much as they can before they leave because these aren't really Bangor people. These are people that came from somewhere else. I'm getting too old to care. (laughs) I can always move, live somewhere else in the woods with cats. I always say with cats, and I don't really like cats that well. As I said on a few past shows, I, I rarely listen to political talk shows anymore. I've got too many personal problems I have to deal with. Yeah, it just it adds to the angst. Yeah, like you don't need to have all this other angst on top of it. The, the good news on Able Danger is I'm suddenly hearing the term senior executive services used yeah. on numerous different YouTube videos of people I had never heard of before are suddenly experts on senior executive services, and that's a term that we learned about from Able Danger, what, 10 years ago? Or whatever it's been? Yeah, a long time. Well, it's because of Christine. I mean, he he would talk about that, all that whole how they developed it and how Christine kept making her power stronger and everything, and it was, I mean... That's the reason we heard about it, because Christine being Field's sister. Yeah. I know that probably everybody in here knows that Christine Marcy is Field McConnell's sister, but maybe not. So, yeah, that stuff is, you know, it's just finally making it out into some other circles, and they're all, like, shocked. Oh, my gosh, there really is a shadow government. No kidding. Yeah. Talking about Uh, decades, folks. This just happens to me the latest... uh, formality since the 70s but yeah. there were there were shadow aspects of the government before that it's just that they consolidated their power uh well, Able danger slept. did a link to uh i think the guy's name was george webb yeah who, uh, who did a very good description of uh senior executive services and then this he other... was the one that did all that work on haiti and all that stuff too i believe wasn't yeah. that the same guy and and tracing down a lot of uh, the Clinton Foundation crimes, uh, but uh, that other fellow I mentioned his name last week, uh, Brooks Agnew. Uh, yeah. I I bookmarked his link, and he's got a, a Sunday night uh, talk show where he rambles on as long as able to, <laughs> as long as Uda, but it's just mm-hmm. him talking. Uh, but he's got a lot of in, in, uh, valuable stuff in there too, and suddenly he did. Good grief, about 10 minutes on senior executive services, and he did a really good job of it, to my surprise. And I'm wondering, why have I never heard it? Well, of course, I'm just finding his talk show now, but I wonder if he has ever mentioned it before, or if he's suddenly a new pop-up expert on senior executive services. I don't know, but the point is, he did a very good summary on his show. Oh, I guess I can find the link to his program, and maybe somebody can find it. Yeah, he. I thought he was pretty interesting too. I. The thing is, I'm so suspicious now of anybody that when I look at them and I think, okay, you. For one thing, if you're really knowledgeable, like I see some of these people, they're very knowledgeable. They were right in the heart of it, according to what they say. We. I was right in there. I saw all this stuff. 
okay, if that's the case, then why are you showing up in 2018? Why haven't you been here all along? Where have you been? What have you been doing in all this time that we've been really putting our necks out there? Because it's a lot safer now for people to say something than it was 10 years ago. Ten years ago, there were very few people saying anything. And, you know, you didn't dare put your head up too high because you didn't know who was around you that might decide that this is a good time to take you out. And that's not a joke. I mean, usually when you want to silence people, you do it at the beginning before it gets going too much. And right now it's too late. Everything's out, whether or not they silence people. It's already out. We know that what's going on. So it's safer, I think. Yeah, well, it's dangerous to be first. Nobody wants to. Yeah, be so Seth. where were these people? Yeah, well, nobody wants to be Seth Riched, or uh, yeah, or long, long list of names that of political assassinations. That, that we've, I feel um, like we've asked. had a progression of one person after another. Let's see if this person can distract them for a while. Okay, let's send these two out. Let's have these two talk to each other. Let's have them discover each other. And you go and look into it, and they were all like working together at some point. I think it's a big deception sometimes, and I just don't trust any of these people that show up so late in yeah, the game. But, but the names that make you shake in your boots are like Ron Brown or Gary Webb. Yeah. Uh, and and j- the the list just keeps going on and on, and you don't want to be the first to shock the world with something as startling as each of them knew. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but it's a little safer to be second, and I think... Anybody who knew anything at all about this was scared to death to be first. But as soon as Field got on the right talk show and got heard by enough people other than just us in the Able Danger cult, uh, <laughs> if I he didn't be... want publicity, though. Do you remember that? Uh, he would initially... say, "No, I'm not." He wouldn't really like. People would say, "Well, you ought to go do this. You ought to do that," and he's like. He wouldn't do it. He was well, like, no, I like doing this. Initially, no, but we both admit he had a message that everybody needed to hear. Oh, yeah. And I don't know whether it was Hagman and Hagman. Maybe it was uh, Goodman. I'm, I'm not sure which show it was that suddenly made the phrase senior executive service explode over all of alt media. Uh, as, as I watch various YouTube videos now, where somebody touches on that topic, the whole list on the right side of my screen is other shows talking about senior executive service, and nine out of ten of them are shows I never heard of before. Yeah. Uh, so that that is the new buzzword, and thank goodness it is happening, because that's news that people needed to know about. And if, uh, if Field can safely shift into uh, oblivion, and go enjoy his new marriage, then more power to him. Uh, but uh, he was really risking his life by bringing this out to the forefront all that time, and that's probably why he he annoyed the rest of us, like Vanny and myself, with, with all of his uh, silliness interventions that ate up 80% of the show and made it really, really difficult for for us straight to the point kind of people to uh, to get his point. Well, I I still have people occasionally say, well, why don't you go do this? Why don't you you know 
have um, like get on board with some of these other people here in Maine and do things with them, and and they don't understand the dynamics of doing something like that. And I I've tried to say it since the beginning, and I know I've been doing this a long time. Yeah, I have. And even people close to me don't even know where this show is. They don't even know how to go listen to it. Every once in a while, I'll tell somebody, I'll go, well, I do this show online. And they go, really? That's cool. How do I get to it? And I tell them I'm not going to tell them. I said, if you find it on your own. (laughs) No, seriously. If you find it on your own because you're interested in it and you show up, that's fine. But I'm not going to tell you how to just go there. I said, it's not. It's not like that. I want it separated. And it's not because I'm ashamed of it. It's not because I'm afraid of anyone finding out. It's because I don't want people involved unless they want to be. I don't want somebody wandering in and not knowing what the heck it's about. Um, And they're just, you know, they're happy in their la-la land. Every once in a while I might tell them some things and they look at me like, where did you ever get that from? It's like, well, the way I describe it is I have a research group that I work with. Because what else could you call it? That's what it is. It's a research group. I say I work with a research group, and what we do is we look into things. And some of us have worked in places where we know stuff already. And I said largely I believe they're baby boomers who didn't like the fact that they participated in building this hideous thing we have now by deception because we were tricked. And I said, and they, you know, as far as the people I know, I feel that they are trying to do what they can before we check out to fix it, the things we did, you know, and or to, you know, make it a little bit easier for who's coming next. But, you know, they don't seem to really be too interested in having things fixed. I think they want us to just get lost, and that's fine if they want to be, you know, living as slaves and under strong control of the government. But I'm still trying at this point. You know, I still try to tell people that there's a reason why you need to be careful because they don't have your they don't have your best uh, interests at heart. They have their best interests at heart. So you got to look out for those people that are smiling in your face while they're taking everything you have behind your back. And well, I don't know what else to do, honestly. I'm I'm sure glad everybody here tonight. All, all of us found each other somehow or another, probably all through able danger, but or whatever route. But uh, I really see a lot of intelligent comments here, uh, a lot of corny jokes from Jameskin, but uh, a lot of important Jameskin stuff too. So. <laughs> Jameskin has to be the little, what do you call it? The little thorn. The uh, the court jester. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keep things going, but no, I'm. I mean. Everybody that I've ever talked to, especially if it's at any length, has said the same thing: is that they were they were also duped. They felt that they did what was required and did an honorable job in their life, teaching or you know where they were working, and had no idea what it was being used for. Well, that's how they work. That's how these globalists get control: is because they don't tell you what they're up to. They plot and plan behind your back. They get you to go out there and take the risks. They get you to go out there and say what they want you to say, and they hide in the back. It's just a, it's a lot like elementary school, actually. You know, go over there and ask her, right? Go over there and take her cookies. 
you know, that kind of thing. And and it's it needs to be fixed. And who's going to fix it but the people that helped build it in the first place? It's not going to come from those kids that are being um, used right now for political reasons. It's not going to be fixed by them because they don't understand. They've been brainwashed badly. And, you know, I hate to say it, but I know I helped because I didn't know. I didn't realize that's what was going on, you know. And I look at it now and I go, oh, my gosh, I remember helping with that. I remember teaching that. And it was all, I mean, some of that stuff started with Sesame Street back in the 70s. I think, didn't Sesame Street start like in the early 70s or late 60s? I know my kids watched it when they were little. And so it was at least back to the early 70s. And all of that stuff that was happening on there was was changing how society saw families and, you know, living in cities. And and I laugh now because people are talking about how you have to keep your kids safe and you have to do this and that, make sure they're safe. And everything's about being safe. <laughs> you know, you have to vet where your kids go, whose houses they go to and everything else. And I remember back in the, um, I'm going to say it was the, 80s when the whole focus was on latchkey children nobody even says the word anymore but they were talking about latchkey children all the time is that they're going to come home from school they're going to let themselves into their house be home alone without mom and dad right and they're going to learn how to take care of themselves they're going to make supper they're going to know how to be safe on their own and they showed them like wearing their little key around their neck and everything so they'd be self-sufficient my gosh, that was the 80s. And now we've got people who aren't even, they don't feel like they're safe on a college campus. The same, you know, those kids on college campuses now are actually younger kids than the ones that were being taught that they could do anything and go home at like 3 in the afternoon and stay there for two hours alone at 8. So, you know, it's whatever the society wants. They um, have the schools teach it. And they put that idea across, and that is brainwashing, in my opinion. That's indoctrination. So, all that stuff we were, we were doing. The schools were doing it. TV was doing it. It was in the, it was in the um, sitcoms and everything where kids like that, on their own, no mom. Um, the uh, the Charlotte Ezerbeet uh, show on Rents, uh, interview on Rents uh, the other night, I only tuned in on the, about the last 10 minutes of it, and she was closing off saying uh, the, the Heritage Foundation or Heritage yeah. Group, I forget which title they use, she says that's the key to all the problems there. Yeah, that was Tuesday night, right? I think it was uh, Tuesday. Two nights ago? I'm, I'm losing track of time. I... I've been under such stress this week. I realized one of the days this week I forgot to take any of my medications. Oh. And the next day my blood pressure was up like 30 points. And uh, oh my goodness. Boy. So at least I'm I'm back into my regimen again. I've come to my senses. And yeah, if 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 my other business stress wasn't bad enough. I get home from that horrible long day. I get into the house and I start telling my roommate about all the problems I'd had, and he 
suddenly gets glassy-eyed and collapsed on me and had a seizure. Hmm. I think I mentioned he's he's got some health problems and he had yeah. never he had never had one this bad before. And I go, oh no, am I about to lose the vice president of my company? Uh, so yeah, that was not a pleasant way to top off the day. Uh, thank God, I'll jump to the end of the story. He recovered and uh, he's he's doing fine now. And I have no idea what triggered it, other than maybe he was suddenly uh, sharing in the stress that I was experiencing. I don't know, but uh, but yeah, you, you just get woken up when 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 good friends around you suddenly have serious health problems. Man, yeah. I got enough problems. Don't add that to my list. I know, really. And uh and yeah, and then matters can even be worse. And like I say, this business associate of mine overseas was only two blocks away from a terrorist bombing. Yeah, and have you heard anything at all about that over here? I'm wondering if that might be why there are new restrictions on cash going in and out of that country. Would be. Uh, so, It'd be nice uh, if they let people know though ahead of time, rather than let you find out the way you did. Yeah. It should be there somewhere in their, you know, well, advertising or their. If if you use the right news search items, you see, yeah, it was all over the foreign press there right after it happened, but it's oh. kind of even disappeared from the foreign press now. It was that was two or three weeks ago and. And on to other new problems everywhere. But uh, uh, but yeah, 16 people were killed that day, and it could have been one of my good friends. So, uh, well, yeah, I guess this will be my my last human interest story from the desert. Here is uh, on one of my many trips to the next town. Uh, coming back, I saw a hitchhiker who had. Lots of baggage and whatever, and I saw, yeah, he's he's packed for a long trip, so he does need a ride. So I gave him a ride from, from Ridgecrest over to Trona. It saved him about 26 miles of walking there. Yeah, and, that's good. Uh, pleasant chat with him, and I noticed he had a gold panning pan with him, and we got to, got to talking on that topic, and he was headed for northern Nevada was, was his destination. And so I wished him well and told him what little I knew about the gold in this area, but I said, we probably don't have as much as you're going for. So uh, so as we we unloaded his stuff, and I, I left him off at, at Family Dollar for him to go in and buy his last supplies there uh, before hitching a ride to, to the next stop, which which takes him into or beyond Death Valley. Um, I wished him well. And I thought I unloaded everything out of the car uh, for his his pack. When I got home, I realized he left a small pack of groceries in the car. And I didn't realize that until I went to clean out my car the next day. Uh, I thought, oh, well, he went without it. Well... We ended up eating it, and I'm thinking, yeah, Desert Pete is so so poor, he's stealing food from the homeless. This well, is you're not embar- stealing it because he left it, and he got a ride, and he's yeah. gone, and you're not going to see him again. So what it is is paying it forward kind of thing. You gave well, him a ride. Well, maybe that was what he paid us for, for the trip, yeah. But, yeah, uh, he might have done it on purpose. You never know. 
But that that was just <laughs> humiliating on my part when when we discovered that in in our cluttered back seat. So half the problem is leaving our back seat so cluttered yeah. that uh, I couldn't separate his stuff from ours. But uh, anyway. Uh, I, I gave him my business cards. He has my email address. If he ever gets a, an internet connection, maybe I'll, I'll talk to him again. I don't know. You can tell him, "Hey, thanks. I ate your food." Uh, precisely. <laughs> yeah. Got the uh, the uh, the Desert Pete's uh, Trona compound fed for another day. So. <laughs> yes. As, as the media reports on. Uh, on another event from uh, from Desert Pete's uh, Desert Compound. Anyway, oh, I'm talked oh out God. for the night, and uh, yeah. thanks to everybody for putting up with with my hideously long story there. But I had to get to that punchline. <laughs> the the only thing that worked that day was the bank. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah. Well, the, the bank and and a business that we usually turn our nose down to, that is check-cashing businesses, we all know that, oh, they just charge outrageous fees to poor people who, who need to get cash. Yeah, but they know what they're doing, and they have plenty of cash to cash a check. <laughs> so so my, my, my thoughts of them just went up a few notches in that uh, when you need their services, they are there to help. And and they did what two big national chains could not do. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure that they're having a lot of attacks lately too, and they're trying to figure out how to foil those. So, but still, it's not very fun when you get caught up in that. Yeah. Anyway, well, yeah, I'm I'm tired too. I've got a good sign off tonight too. I think you'll enjoy. I hope everybody enjoys it because I found it this week and I thought it was so cool. I said I'm going to use this this week. So okay. people that left early are losing out. They're missing out. Well, shame on them. <laughs> I know. Oh. <laughs> it's an audio one. It's a file. They need to just open another window and, and watch cat videos or something when Desert Pete is, is, is on a rampage. <laughs> but, <laughs> Whatever they, I don't know. I mean, I know people have got other things they're doing. There's no problem with that. I don't care. People come in and out. They listen to stuff. I always figure that if somebody needs to hear something, they're going to hear it because it's around. You know, it's not like we're never speaking or anything. We we do this often enough. So. Uh, I don't know what happened to Gene. We've lost Gene. But Gene had retired, so possible that he's going to come back eventually when he gets his well, things in order for supposedly he was going to take a trip up to Maine this summer so we'll see if he shows up again before summer I guess make it to see Jean and his lovely wife I think her name's Deb so that would be fun have somebody come to Maine See the sites. Maine's fairly large too. I mean, to go and see all the sites, you have to spend some time to do that. A few days. Oh. My house. Maybe I'll get my house cleaned out to the point where I can actually have a guest room, and then all somebody would have to do is have a plane ticket to get here, and they could stay at my house for free. That would be cool. So. Yeah, we we gotta pray in fields yet for for him to be our our private charter service. 
Yeah, he can fly people around, take people up here. Yeah. Oh, and I haven't heard a lot of military action. I have heard a few things, and somebody, I was going to tell you this too, a couple weeks ago, I think it was, maybe it was a week ago. I'm losing track of time too in some ways. Somebody took a video of an Antonov again coming in. Really? So, yeah. Hmm. I hear things off and on, and I go, you know what, that's a big heavy plane because they sound different. So I don't really know how many times I've heard things like that because we also get the big cargo, the other big cargo planes. But I haven't heard much military type of um, jet noise like I would sometimes hear when there were things going on in the world. So occasionally I would hear things in the middle of the night and it's like, okay, are they making sure that we don't notice so they fly out at like 3 in the morning or something? But I live close enough that I can hear the airport. So. The uh, the air activity out here is they've been doing a lot of uh, low-level uh, flybys here on our lake bed. And yeah. uh, that that kind of shakes the house when an F- F-18 goes by at low level. Uh, yeah. and, and my roommate noted uh, a few different planes that... As he described it, I, I figured out, no, that's an F, uh, F-16, and that's Air Force. So the only strange thing happening here is I see the Air Force is using Navy airspace for some of their test flights. That's a change from the norm here. Uh, oh, and that day that I picked up the hitchhiker, uh, yeah. we, we lo- looked off to the side, and there was a B-52 doing low-level maneuvers in between the hills. B-52s are Air Force, and so he's up here in Navy airspace doing uh, low-altitude maneuvers. So hmm. what's causing that? I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, that that's the only non-normal stuff that I've been witnessing up here. Well, if any, anything big happens, I'll make sure I let people know. If I start hearing a lot of stuff, the last time I heard a real lot of stuff, like for hours, was when Haiti had its earthquake. And I kept thinking, what the heck? I mean, why are they here? Why am I hearing stuff from here? It doesn't make sense. But that was the day. It was that morning, and it just went on for hours. We had, like, fighter jets taking off, and it was just lots of noise for a long period of time. And, of course, I grew up around that kind of thing, so I was used to hearing it back then, but certainly not in the last, you know, several years. So that was a big deal. And then there was another day where we had, I think it was like a year or two ago, I can't remember now what was going on in the world, but we had something like that for a brief time, like, you know, half hour or something. So I always wonder what's going on when I hear things like that. I'm like, what the heck is happening? So... Um, things have been fairly routine up here right now, so. Well, let's hope things calm down in the world and all these uh, fear-mongering stories of, oh, World War III is going to start next week and uh, Trump insulted Kim and Kim is going to blow up Hawaii and, <laughs> and all these stories. Well, things can change in a dime, and let's just pray that they do change for uh, change for the safety and uh, Sarah Westhall, her uh, last show she just posted today, she found a journalist from Iraq that she interviewed, 
his mm-hmm. his accent and his voice was a little difficult to understand, but if you applied the patience to hear his points, he gave a unique perspective from the people of Iraq that I had just never heard before. And uh it it's a show worth worth listening to and it's it's Sarah Westhall's most recent one and I'm I'm sorry I forgot the name of the gentleman that she interviewed, but uh, but once again it's it's one of her excellent uh poignant interviews on topics that just kinda get missed with all the other talk shows we listen to. Yeah. Well there's uh, so much now. I mean there's just so much. You could start I sometimes I do this too when I'm busy with something else. I just leave it on and let it go through like playlists. It'll be a ten minute interview here and then something else will start and I like leaving playlists on because I don't know who yeah. I'm listening to and then all of a sudden I'll go over and look at their face and I'll go, Oh, I recognize that person and because you just can't take it all in. It's too much. It is. And it changes. It's changing all the time. So like something an, a month ago may be so out of date as far as the information that it's, you know, oh, that's already been disproved and this is now what they're doing. And you you have to stay with it all the time. And who has that? I mean, you can't do that. Your life is going by while you're watching these things. Well, so, th- this is why we almost have to have different teachers on on the same topic at times because one teacher may not find the cluster of words that resonates with you to make you understand something. There was another hilarious cat video that hit Facebook uh, this week. Uh, Just briefly, it's, it's a cat sitting on a hay bale, and you see he's looking at the roof of the barn he's near, and the cat just keeps adjusting himself, getting ready to jump. And so there's like about eight seconds of the cat just getting on his haunches and just all ready to jump. And so whoever whoever made this video clip overlaid on top of the cat just above his head a whole bunch of math formulas that kept changing of of pi r squared and and the the square root of such and such and uh, and the the catapult the catapult velocity of this and that and whatever. And you see just just all these rapid-fire calculations that are going through the cat's mind as he prepares to jump onto this barn roof. So the the moment finally comes, and the cat jumps, <laughs> and he falls to the ground about halfway <laughs> between the, the hay bale and the barn. The comment underneath the video was, he forgot to carry the one. <laughs> forgot to carry the one. Cute. And, and Cute. I thought... That poor cat sat under the same math teachers that I did. (laughs) Uh, He had all that calculation going on. All that calculation, and when I tried it, it didn't work. Or like that that, uh, space project where they forgot to convert because it was metric to standard or something. Yeah. Remember they had a failure because somebody forgot to do a conversion? Yeah, well, why I brought it up is I translate this to David Hawking's describing senior executive services and all the horrible stories related it from the, the pig farm to John Manet yeah. Ramsey and everything in between. And David has just hit me with too much information, and there's some aspects of senior executive services that to this day I did not understand until I heard a couple of other people start to talk about it, and they kind of filled in the things that old Desert Pete missed. Yeah. Uh, so exactly. Uh, senior executive services is such a complex topic. 
that one teacher just can't explain it all to you. Well, one of the things that happened that was significant to me that I didn't know was that it's thousands of people. I thought it was hundreds. It's thousands. Yeah. And the largest expansion was right before Obama went out of office. He did it, and then he gave them access to 17 different agencies. Yeah. So they got more power, more of them, who were new, a lot of them were new, so they would have to be brought on board, basically, and learn the ropes, and then gave them all this power, which would allow them to manipulate things and know things behind the scenes that they shouldn't know. That's none of their business. Yeah. So in a way, he was he was creating a shadow government for him to be able to still use and access after he was out of office. Yeah, and, and then you insert something I, I heard George Webb say, because he had met somebody in executive services and talked to him directly, and they boasted that the average paycheck for them is 200000 a year. I had not Crazy. heard that. I, if David ever mentioned that, I, I didn't catch it. I'm not sure he has ever, because I don't think the pay was really the point with okay. him. It was more like, how did they get this power? And then jumping over to Brooks Agnew's 10-minute uh, expository on it, he pointed out that each one of these people is hired as an executive and appointed to oversee a government employee, well, that's an external government by insertion. Yeah. And treason I guess, is complete I guess, treason. Yeah. Well, Field and, and David have, have been trying to hammer that into Desert Pete's mind for all these years, and it's, it's <laughs> finally dawning on me. I finally comprehend what what all's going on, and you're right. This is a second government being run by a bunch of perverts. Yeah, and they did it by a little bit at a time, teeny steps. Like when when Field said, first Christine did this, then she got control of these people, and then she was over here doing this, and she got control of those people, And, and nobody's ever heard of her. But yet all these movies we see where they have something like this going on in a movie there's always a woman like that. There's a shadowy woman in the back that's orchestrating everything. She's not doing anything herself, but she's sending these people off. And yeah. it's not the president. It's somebody else with power. And it's usually a woman in these movies. If you look at that, it's been right there in front of our face the whole time. Yeah. So. Well, even that kind of history comedy show called uh, Warehouse 13 that I I loved that show until the gay mafia took over the plot line and ruined it. Uh, that was a fantastic... Did you ever watch that Warehouse 13? I don't think so. I don't remember it if I did. Oh, it, uh, it dramatized uh, little-known bizarre inventions of the past. Hmm. And some inventions were simply legendary, not really something you could actually tangibly hold. Uh, but sometimes it it was items that you could go to a museum and see, and they dramatized a story around it. And it was very well done. And you're right. One of the key characters in that show was this mysterious woman who suddenly appeared in a room and you turn your back to reach for something, and you turn around, and she disappears. Hmm. Was one of the key Weird. characters in that show. They they never implied 
that she was woo-woo, hocus-pocus, they always implied that she was just so fast, nobody knew what she was doing. Uh, so Warehouse 13, again, that was a superb premise of a drama show, and I'm sorry it ultimately got canceled. And and the way the storyline was going, it was just obvious the gay mafia took over everything on the show. But you think about just, it, that's exactly who these people are. Yeah. They are mostly gay people. Yeah. Well, they ruined the plot line of, of an otherwise fantastic show. Uh, I'm sorry to see. Maybe involved, that was but... how they were going to draw a lot of people in, though. I mean, draw them in, get them involved in it, and then twist the plot a little bit so that they stay with you because they're already invested in the characters and everything, and enjoy the show, and change it. Yeah. I've had some shows where I've had to turn them right off because they just, they just, they make me so angry because I can see the manipulation now. And before it was just entertainment. Now I'm like, that's not entertaining. They're trying to tell us that that's how we're supposed to think. So I'll just turn it off. See, we're learning how the techniques work now. We're wiser than we were. So. Yeah, but uh, but no, 60 minutes watching that show was just as fascinating as walking into Disneyland's Magic Castle. Cool. That that everything was just so intriguing and characters from history we've all heard names of they wrote right into the script and and elaborated on tesla got referred to frequently in there and it sounds and some, like something that i remember a little bit and then have forgotten because when you said it i thought you know that sounds familiar so i don't know yeah. if i've seen that i'm not sure uh and uh okay a couple of the actors were kind of so-so but Man, there were uh, one lady actor uh, and and this woman who, who who I would just refer to that kept appearing and disappearing was a powerful black lady actress. Oh, did she portray that 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 character well? Mm-hmm. And and then the uh, uh, kind of the key character of the show was uh, uh, was note noticed and and identified as being jewish uh and they didn't they did not burn out a, a jewish stereotype but they did bring in some jewish um uh traditional items into uh into the storyline and it was humorous and 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 well and tastefully done each time they did uh and he was also a very powerful actor. And sorry, my mind's going blank. I can't remember the names of any of these uh uh these people, but uh but they had uh oh let's see, one, two there were three people on there that in my opinion they were Academy Award actors with the uh with the characters that they portrayed so well and related to some scientific stuff of of ancient history that only thus only us who have paid attention to some of those old things would know anything about and they did an excellent job of of uh, dramatizing it and uh and letting the viewer kind of know what the thing supposedly did and 
and the mysterious stories that surrounded it. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe if I get super rich someday, I can afford to pay somebody to bring the show back and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and get the get the good actors and and hire my own writers. <laughs> really. That? Or at least hire the writers that did the first two or three shows that were superb. Uh, that was uh, before everything got twisted out of shape there. Anyway, you said you had clothes for the show. so time Yes, for you to I shut do. Up. I have a little audio closing. So I think people will enjoy just because of our age group. Okay. So. Well, right. Looking well, thanks to for it. coming. <clears throat> okay. Thanks for calling in and all that. Well, I'll Hopefully shut up. Hopefully our week will go better. Same, same here. So anyway, I'll shut up and sign off here, and we'll uh, we'll listen to your closing then. Okay. Well, you have a good night. Okay. Good night, everyone. Thank you. All right. I hope you're ready for this, you guys. And I hope you can hear it all right. I'm going to put the mic near the speaker like I usually do, okay? The blast from the past I happened upon this week that I thought was so cute, I saved it for you. All right. Good night. Thanks for coming. See you next week. If the good Lord's willing and the creeks don't rise, as we used to say. Okay, here you go. We got to close it out. That's it for the Wolfman Jack show for tonight. Be back again tomorrow night. Red-eyed bushy-tail, gonna suck it to you tomorrow, baby. I move your picture. I move your picture. From my wall. From my wall. And I replace them. Both large and small. Both large and small. Two call, baby. And each new day. Each new day. Find me so blue. Find me so blue. Nothing takes the place of you. Just remember, nothing takes the place of you. I read your letter. I read your letter. One by one. One by one. And I still love you. I just want you to know, baby, I still love you. When it's all said and done. And oh, my darling, I'm so blue. Because nothing. Because nothing. Nothing. Oh, nothing. Takes the place of you. As the moving finger writes, it says until tomorrow. I'll wait for you. And each teardrop glistens on my head. Without you, nothing seems the same. Without you, nothing's the same. So I'll wait. Until you're home Again I love you
thought I'm all alone. I'm all alone till I see it again tomorrow night, baby. Until tomorrow, I love you so much. I'm so blue. Bye. Because nothing, oh, but nothing takes the place of you. Night.